0: Hello and broadcasting oh, from going? the beautiful oh, central coast yeah. of okay. California. Oh, it's it. okay. the Dr. Death Danger Radio Show! Just look at that fucking guy. Oh look at fucking drink Afro asspect headband. And
1: like, like Freedom
0: it. penis to the maximum degree of his, his <laughs> And like
1: look at his face. He's like He's got his lips in like this, you can tell. Like, he, he looks like he's about to cry. like Freedom. Fucking freedom. Fucking close. Fucking
0: crack open a cool one. Welcome back to the Dr. Death Danger Radio Show with you boys. James and Edward, lamest podcast on the planet.
1: I'm Edward. I'm Edward. How you doing, everyone? Good morning. Good evening. Good night. Good evening. Good night. I don't know what's popping, Edward. Um, I'm kind of wishing that I would just that I I'm kind of thinking I should just buy my own liquid death to keep here, just because I kind of I've seen you do it the last three podcasts, and I'm like, yo, what if we just did, what if we just every time we just crack open a cold liquid like like that could be the um crack,
0: crack open crack crack open a our liquid death
1: and we'll be like you know cheers. We don't have to cheers, but yeah cheers and stuff well cheering's water is bad luck that's what they say but so
0: and like i'm not gonna like go against these old wise tales
1: yeah like the thing with uh knocking our friend our good friend dylan told us hey did you guys know that when you knock on wood uh long jargon short basically it's a thing of like um you're actually practicing an old tradition and summoning Woodland Spirits. Wasn't
0: that what it was? Yeah, practicing summoning Woodland Spirits that help bring you safe journey against whatever malicious forces that be against you and shit. Yes.
1: But yeah, you know, dope shit like that. Uh, I'm on vacation. Uh, I thought I'd have to take it next month because they were like, because uh, because the thing is, is like at uh, my job, you know. They're like, take your. Take, you have um, 20 hours, paid, five days of paid vacation, but it's 20 hours. So, so you, wait, do you have to forcefully take this? Or? No, uh, but my boss encourages it because, you know, she's like, hey, you work hard for your vacation. You earn it. So, you know, you should take it. And I'm like, well, OK, fine. I I feel oh, like I feel like, okay. I, feel like part, I don't I usually I should. I get this from my dad. I don't usually take vacations because I'd rather be working or but use that vacation when you actually when it. I actually need it.
0: Yeah, and that's my thing. It's like now, well, this, if now, I'm gonna take a vacation, it's like I'm gonna like you know either like I need this for the take a yeah. sexy trip to Japan oh, yeah, or yeah. freaking or if I'm gonna or maybe the one day where it's like I gotta take this vacation because me and the boys we're gonna go play a freaking tour in Indonesia. <laughs> If there's something like that. Or yeah, I'm like, yeah. hey, I'm going to go to fucking WrestleMania. Yeah. Go see some wrestling.
1: Now, I think this is a double-edged sword, and I don't really remember. be like
0: bone steel and plan to go to Tijuana and go get a <sighs> sexy hotel room for 55 bucks with a jacuzzi in it, and then pop over to the strip club where he can pick himself up a nice escort and have some sex.
1: Okay, I probably shouldn't say this, but fuck him. So fucking Jake gets in touch with Good me last night. Steel. Good friend, Bone Steel. who you might remember from that one time he was on for uh, an episode of season two of Rock of Love. Talking about the football. Ugh. This some um, bitch is like hits me up last night in our wrestling group chat called, uh, and uh, he's like, "Hey Ed, do you have a passport?" And I was like, "Yeah." And then and then he's and then he's basically just like, I need it for something. And then James chimes and he's like for Tijuana hookers and then Jake's like Shh and then I just type dot dot dot. I'm gonna leave that one alone, buddy.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. So are you gonna be kicking up with good friend Bone Steel for his birthday extravaganza in San Diego next week? I, or- I don't know. I'm thinking about well, it. Well, I know you wanna like have the time to hit up the fucking rehearsal space and track vocals for your project. yeah, but I only need a few days for that yeah,
1: but yeah oh yeah so I was trying to say so this vacation thing just really quick um so I forget how she did this but she my boss pulled a rigmarole and long story short basically instead of the twenty hours she was able to get it to where I'd be getting forty hours of vacation time so I think she's I I think she I think she might be semi sort of screwing me and like taking my vacation time that's coming up at the end of this month and putting it on that. But at the same time, that 40 hour paycheck is going to feel pretty sweet of like not doing any work. I'm not doing any work. It's going to suck, though, because I hate hate being off for a long time because then you got to go back. Don't know where everything don't know where anything is. I don't I won't know what books are out, you know.
0: I don't know, or
1: you could just, like, take it and just go rage, bro. Oh, no, I'm going to do something.
0: Like, yeah, so, like, freaking good friend Bone Steel. like, next week is his birthday, and he's talking to me, and he's like, you know what, I want to go, like, I always like to, I would like to go, like, international in one of my, like, in my 20s before I become, like, 30 or something. So, he's like, no, I'm thinking going to Tijuana, and I am thinking of doing this. I'm a single guy, and I've been reading it. It's, like, seems like, for the most part, it's safe, and I'm just sitting there, and it's like, fucking do it, pissy. Fucking do it, homeboy.
1: Yeah, so that's our so, life. Yeah. But other than that, there's nothing really going on with me.
0: I know. Actually, there's something going on with this podcast itself. Because next week, I'm going to be kind of fucking out of town on the weekend. So. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to think. Like, I think I can bring my rig with me, and we might have to do it how we did over fucking COVID and shit. Oh, over the phone? Yeah. I'll, I'll I'll over- call in like Vinny? Call in. Over the phone and stuff. And I'll awkwardly do it at, like, Bode Steele's apartment and stuff. Maybe Bode Steel might join in or something.
1: Yeah, get his ass to watch something.
0: Some Dark Side of Football and Dark Side of the Ring. (sighs) Yeah. Oh, fuck. That means I got to try to figure out to listen to the friggin' ISERP. We'll see if we do that. Or if not, might be delayed a week. Oh, no. But if we do, then episode 50... Fucking hope I'm not false advertising this, but when episode fifty comes around, it will be the ep- the fucking Cumcast special. Oh yeah, we're finally doing that. Yes, because unless like we'll see the issues, is. Bone Steel's got to talk with his boy, and then I got to talk with my fucking bandmates and stuff for fucking scheduling purposes. But if not, episode fifty will be the Cumcast special. It's gonna be talking about the dirty smut and sex okay, yeah. and penis touching. <laughs> (laughs) Of Jake Bones of good friend Bone Steel and good friend Dylan. So this episode we're recording is
1: episode 48.
0: Yes. Okay. Next week would be 49 Mm -hmm. and 50 might be the Comcast special. (laughs) Ready for the smut. So, yeah, dropping in some advertisement for future preference. But other than that, let's get into the actual meat yeah. of this podcast. Let's do it. Some meat. As, sorry to quick deter, as me and Bosa were up for, like, a good last hour talking about, tri- like, last night for an hour trying to figure out where to get a steak in San Diego. Ooh. And you can find fucking steaks in San Diego, but I'm also sitting there and it's like, I want a good ribeye. And oh, if I dude. could find a good value wagyu ribeye, now then we'd be
1: talking. is the best cut of steak. I don't care what anyone says. Because I says. want some...
0: Oh, yeah, dude. You
1: got that grizzle. Mm.
0: Let's talk about the fucking not fat of this podcast. Let's talk about our fucking Iced Earth friggin' album reviews. We're here to talk about fucking plagues of,
1: I don't know why I want to say Abaddon, but Babylon. (laughs) (laughs) Plagues of uh, Babylon. More like plagues of ass. Dude, plagues of
0: fucking ass. ass. Like, this thing, this album kind of, I'm just going to say it, was not the best.
1: Yeah, I was going to It really kind of sucked. I was gonna ask what your uh, what,
0: you thought it sucked. I thought there was some well, okay I, moments. I was here. listening to this thing and I was just like, first thing, it literally just kind of came off. Oh yeah, yeah. As I I told Edward earlier in the week, but to spoil, but literally, it's like when listening to this album, it just sounded like fucking Ice Earth was ripping off iced Earth. Yeah, they literally it just sounded like a pale ver- like a fucking like stale version of their freaking like cells. it literally sounds like a band just trying to rip off a pale I- imitation yeah like literally it's like a pale imitation like imitation but it's the actual band so it's like it sounds like someone else trying to write iced earth song but it's actually iced earth yeah so it was kind of fucking bad it literally sounds like the whole thing it sound like i've heard all these songs before on different albums and stuff there's one good song on the album called Peacemaker. Which, that one was pretty like, good. That, that one, one was interesting. Yeah, that's like one good song. But out of the rest of his fucking hour and two minutes of listen, it was kind of fucking shitty. So no regrets. <laughs> fuck
1: this album. So I was actually a little semi-excited going into this album because this was uncharted territory for me. I'd never heard a single song off this. Maybe it's a good thing. And, you know, you, you had told me that. That um, this felt like Iced Earth, you know, trying, because I hadn't listened to it yet when you had told me about it. And you said this felt like Iced Earth trying to rip off themselves. You also mentioned that you felt like Stu Block was trying to sound a lot like, was trying to really hard to sound like Matt Barlow. So I went into this record thinking about those two things and I listened to like the, and so I'm like not even a quarter through the first song and I'm like, Holy fuck, he's right. You were right. That was exactly what was happening. This first song has a has a build-up intro for, for two entire minutes. And then once everything comes in, it's like every Ice Earth song uh you've ever heard. But this first song's a throwback because it's an almost eight-minute epic. I loved it when they used to do that. Fuck, the song was a first, was a fucking eight minute epic? It was like seven minutes and like 47 seconds. Bro, what the fuck? Uh, yeah, old school. I'll admit it had some tasty solos, and I actually thought the chorus was all right, but it didn't need to be eight minutes. Track two, uh, two words, fucking triplets, bro. That was literally all I took away from the song. Okay. And it sounded like early ice Earth, which I guess some people would say that's a good thing, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Course, it, the chorus—it sounds like a band I was trying to rip off Ice Earth. <laughs> chorus was boring too. Like, don't, like the thrash itself was fine. It sounded like old Ice Earth, but with better production, which I guess is okay. Okay. Tra- track three started out kind of cool. I like the sections in between the verses, but the verses just fell flat. Chorus sounded good, but I was listening to the chorus of this third song, and tell me if you feel the same. Did it feel like the choruses for these first three songs like sounded almost exactly the same? Like in their tempo and then their their uh, vocal melodies. Kind of,
0: sort of, or as I said earlier, sound like a friggin' song I've heard before.
1: Yeah. Track four, uh, for a first, uh, for I think the first time on a Nice Earth record, this had a guest singer, Hansi Kirsch, I think how I say that, who's the singer for Blind Guardian. I guess uh, he's saying leads on this. I didn't know
0: this. Well, I guess so. Freaking well, power metal
1: vocalists all run together. Well,
0: freaking John Schaefer has a band with that fool called Demons and Wizards.
1: That's right. I forgot. I forgot. I knew he had Demons and Wizards, but I forgot the Blind Guardian guy
0: was. Yeah. There. Well, that's a good thing because <laughs> you listen to him. Well, maybe when I was
1: younger, I'm not. Li- I haven't listened to him recently. Oh no, I thought you and were I'm not fucking bad. going to listen to them. <laughs> so yo, fuck that shit. Um, it started up with a minute of unnecessary buildup, and I was like why but then i realized it's ice
0: fucking earth of course there's gonna be unnecessary build up it's ice fucking earth or is this fucking friggin' icy earth bro icy earth yeah the fucking ripoff band
1: for iced earth no it's uh it's uh it's cold planet yo cold planet what up um, but then I realized the whole point of the buildup was to try to pump you up for the really generics, uh, double bass verse riff part. Oh, cool! And then this chorus too—I don't know what it oh, was. Yeah. This song just this double chorus, bass, baby. This oh, chorus, yeah. This chorus, oh, yeah. This chorus oh, yeah. This chorus sounded like just like I don't know why. I just thought it sounded like the choruses for the first three fucking songs. Oh, as yeah. As a fair man, though, oh, as my a God. fair man,
0: <laughs> yeah, it was the same chorus, baby. It's so hot.
1: Block did some uh, gnarly screams during the bridge. That was cool. Oh to scream for me, baby. Ah, Track five had to grow on me. I just, that song started and it it just immediately sounded like filler. They did a little something different with the verses. They took like an almost hard rock approach to it to actually highlight the vocals and not like, you know, the fancy guitar work. There's this part where Block hits this one high note where I swear you would have thought Ripper Owens broke into the studio, did a single scream and left sounded just like him. And the bridge sounded kind of uh, cool. Yeah, Steve Black can, like, <laughs> really sing.
0: Like, he told... Dude, seriously, like, fucking first song, he was... Like, at times, he would had a perfect
1: Matt Barlow impression. No, he did.
0: But, I, I've been and underselling that. Script. Dude, it sounds like someone's just
1: trying to rip off Ister. Let's get fucking <laughs> real here. I thought the bridge sounded cool, too. Song six started, and I thought it was a ballad. And I went, yay. And then I saw it was seven minutes. And Nay. we're not... And we're barely half we're barely halfway through the album and i went fuck fuck (sighs) fuck you know how it goes pretty opening heaviness they jump around with time signatures a bit not stupid enough to be prog but just enough so where it's not stale i guess there is one notable part um it would have to be the short interlude that actually goes into the guitar solo itself. It does like this chuggy thing when uh, Matt does a vocal thing. Uh, sorry, Stu Block does a vocal thing. And then the guitar solo, I'm not going to lie. It was definitely one of Schaefer's best guitar. I don't know if he played it, but it was one of Ister's, I mean, best guitar solos.
0: Wow, you are really paying attention to these guitar solos because I was not. There's not much else to pay attention to.
1: Wow, that sounds pretty <laughs> fucking lame. Lame fucking album. So now, tell me what's next. Big boy. So song seven yeah. is. So song seven's the ballad. It's an Iced Earth ballad. You've heard. Wait, I thought we even did song seven. I'm sorry. I meant. Uh, no, the last one was song six. It oh. was seven minutes. Oh. Song seven. Oh, uh, is the ballad. It's an Iced Earth ballad, and you've heard like if you've heard five different Iced Earth ballads, then you've heard them all. But for my preferences, the ballads are among Schaefer's better songs, so it was fine. Okay. Song eight's a song about Cthulhu. Call Cthulhu, and I thought to myself for a second, are they going to cover them? At Metallica song? No. No. No, they did not. Get gypped. I liked how it started Fuck out you. initially. It was kind of acoustic, but it went a little up tempo. And at first, I was kind of disappointed when it went into the main distortion, but it kind of grew on me. Chorus was weak, though. Again, it sounded like the first four songs, but I don't know. Just. Power metal choruses just always bore me. I don't know what it is. So it sucks major ass. Okay, so this is the Peacemaker song, song um. nine. Anyway, I thought this song was hilarious. Oh yeah, no, like, like it's called the song opens, and I don't know why it sounded just like Simple Man by Leonard Skinner. Oh, I think <laughs> <laughs> I, I it's a power it. metal If I may, Stu Block sang the words. With my pistol by my side. With my pistol by my side. And then later on, they'll never take my peacemaker away. I I don't think there needs to be much more to say about it. It's a power metal song about guns. Yeah, but it was actually like a good song. No, it was a good song. Well, like, there was like but it's the, preposterous. Yeah, they went
0: like Larry Skinner what was a little corny, but then fucking <laughs> They had a sick, actual like fucking chug along riff. Yeah. And I'm just like, you know what? The song actually rules. No, it was good. But that was like the only good one, the only good song for me on this
1: album. I was just laughing. So that one's
0: like, yeah. I, laugh- <laughs> I was just laughing. I was just
1: laughing because when I think of Power Mill, I think of like, you know, RPG Final Fantasy shit, but he's talking about guns. I'm like, this isn't Metal Gear Solid? Or, yeah. He's... Did Revolver Ocelot write this song? Hey, at least his Freedom Penis wrote a good song. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> 10 had some coolish riffs, but it just felt filler. There's not much to say about it. Now here's where things get weird for these last two songs. Oh so song 11's a ballad, and I wrote here, You've heard is a ballad you've heard from this band almost a hundred times. But as soon as I typed that, I paused, I thought about it. Oh yeah. I counted, James.
0: You counted what?
1: This man, if we're just going by the main albums, no EPs, no nothing like that. This man has written at least 140 songs just for Iced Earth. Hmm. 140 songs. And you want to know the best part about this? Remember how you a lot said... of them suck. You remember, you remember how you said this sounded like Iced Earth was ripping off Iced Earth? I found out this song's a cover song, too, of a song by Sons of Liberty. Which is John Schaefer's own band? Wait, what? Wait, which song? This the the, the song eleven, the Spirit of uh, Times, Spirit of the Times. What? That was a Sons of Liberty song. What? Like he I covered his own
0: band song. Like, here's the thing. I think it's cute. like <gasps> I have played in multiple bands, but each band sounds a little different. Yes. So there's like this sounded just like Ice Earth. <laughs> yeah. So I could so. I went and listened to
1: the Sons of Liberty song Oh my god And (laughs) And you were like It's such another band He covered his own song, James. And you know what the funny thing is? The next song's a cover, too. And then there's an outro bit, but it's not even a song. It's just a little thing. It's a hidden track. So realistically, this is only a really a 10-song album. The The two of them are covers.
0: Yeah, what the fuck? Yo, what was... Okay, he covered one of his fucking songs, but he wrote the song, so whatever. The other one's called Highway. It just shows you how much fucking range was in fucking Sons of Liberty. Hey, you want more Iced Earth? (laughs) <laughs> well, go check out Sons of Liberty. But what's the highway, dude?
1: Yeah, so I, I want. Ooh, I'm the highway dandy man. Make it quick. I'll suck your dick. That's not what he said. No, so it's Highway Man. It's a cover by a song named Jimmy Webb. Okay, who uh, wrote platinum selling songs like Up Up a Away? Is this a country the, artist? Uh, his dramas are pop, rock, and country. So yes. Whoa! Oh, and this, this song? John Schaefer on leads here, and for I'm the gonna, first verse. Well, I'm going to tell you, I started a horrible version of the song. Oh yeah, I said it that here. Fucking sucked. I I said that here. I, I'm not going to lie. My God, this guy John, this John Schaefer is not good. I tried to look at this, you know, from being like, oh, it's cheesy. Oh, he's having fun, but like, no. I've listened to Sons of Liberty. I've listened to this. I can see why he always gets a singer. Oh, and here's the best part. This song has two guest vocalists. Did you notice that? No, because I wanted this to be over. Okay, check this out, people. The two guest vocalists were Russell Allen, singer of Symphony X. Okay. And Michael Paulson, singer of Volbeat. Okay. Okay. And then the outro is just some weird right. little gambit. It's just some weird gambit? It's some weird little sound bit of Schaefer or someone going to Mike be like, Hey, fuck your couch for like twenty seconds.
0: Yeah, literally it's just them trying to just crack jokes. Like literally they say, Hey, fuck your couch, motherfuckers. Fuckers. And I'm just sitting there is like you you can't quote the Dave Chappelle thing. One, well, you're fucking pasty as sour cream with fucking like spray. Was that tan. the Dave
1: Chappelle thing? I thought that was yeah. The remember, fucking yeah. yeah, it's the Rick James. I'm Rick James, bitch. Yeah, they were missing like half the dialogue.
0: Yeah, but fucking they can't say it, it. Yeah, so at the same time, it's like. Yeah, whatever. Just being, it's like, oh, hey, look, we're cute and funny. We crack jokes. We have
1: a personality. Oh, come
0: on, we don't just sing about freedom penis and stuff and like uprising of this false freaking government. I like of this album. Reptilians.
1: I like this album a little more than I thought I would, but it, it's, no, <laughs> it's I was not to,
0: great. No, I was disgusted by this album like tenfold. This thing <laughs> fucking sucked. I'm going to uh, put this as a fucking D plus if you want it to give it some credibility, but it's a fucking D. Like, is it a total fail? I'm like, well, I'm not that harsh. Like, if I what if it was my way and I really hate the band, I'd give it an F, but I'll yeah. being fair, but I'm gonna give this a fucking D. This really blue cocks when you're like really following the fucking band in their studio full lengths, like week by week. Like, if this is something you haven't heard it in a while, then sure. But when you're like suffering and I, torturing I, yourself <laughs> to listen to this fucking band. And when you get this, this is like almost
1: like this is kind of fuck. It's like, dude, what the fuck happened? It's like you hit a wall, horrible wall. I just couldn't get over the fact that he covered his own song. That'd yeah, be- see, I wasn't
0: paying <laughs> attention to that. And that was just fucking wow. That'd be,
1: that'd be like if Korn did it, uh, covered a song by Sex Art. It's like, what the sex fuck? Sex art. <laughs> or are they or, or something? Oh man. So yeah, that was Iced Earth. One more album to go. Hmm.
0: The then journey's we, almost
1: over. Fuck yeah, we could be fucking done. I could fu- I, I, I I I'm gonna go out on a limb and say, probably won't do a whole discography for a while. Yeah, maybe about, not ever again. Over again, I kind of like doing this, but how about no? Well, see, it was easy with Slipknot. They just had five. Oh, they're working no, on six. their... Six. That's right. I forgot. But oh, they working on their new album. Yeah, that's what I want. It's more fucking tour tour. Tori. Tori Kaler. <laughs>
0: fucking Tori Kaler fucking clout. Uh, That's what I need.
1: Just the thing shit. that sucks. It's like sometimes there's some things about that band I don't like on a personality level, but it's like, fuck, they make good hey, music. Tory, <laughs> hey, fucking Tori Kaler over here was on a fucking feature
0: on the song. Major fucking news in the rock world, bro. Oh, yeah. Seriously, right. yo, fuck that shit. <laughs> At least when fucking something that actually mattered, like with fucking David Olson fucking jacking off his cock on fucking camera <laughs> at least that was like at least confirmed was like okay like what the speculation was is actually not true yes the only thing true part is like yeah he got fucking caught in his video of him stroking his cock is was shared around on the internet yes but everything else about it being underage and him fucking like um grooming and shit that was wrong that was, that was incorrect did, yeah that didn't come to true flourishing so yes but him stroking his penis is like oh i yeah, know the memes are out there
1: See, that sucks because he's married, too. and has kids. Yeah. So.
0: And he literally like when that happened, he was just like he did an announcement celebration his long marriage. <laughs> Irony, bro.
1: Fuck. Get fucking. Uh, get wrecked, dude. You know, And of all the wrecked. people for that and all of all the people for that to happen to in the metal scene, like David Elson's a pretty nice guy. You know, he's you know, he he's a little he's about as pretentious as Dave, but he mellowed out as times went on. He's pretty easygoing, but he gets caught. He gets caught. Red, I'll say red handed. He got caught white handed and just. I hope I hope they don't Kick him out of Megadeth Because it wasn't a minor It wasn't grooming There's no reason To kick him out I mean like, definitely, definitely roast was, him About that forever Like definitely He's off social media
0: Yes But there hasn't I haven't heard word of him Being kicked off Megadeth
1: Yeah because Which no- would be lame
0: But fucking getting caught Jacking off I wouldn't say Is the biggest offense But like well, No it's not It Like it literally was a vibe. He just got fucking Caught jacking off And it's like It sucks that that Fucking got the public And stuff too Yeah But that's just More embarrassing But I forget Unless like the fucking Like ban has like a major image issue with it but I think people are going to forget about him fucking yakking it. And I think
1: people are already mostly forgotten. Yeah I know.
0: Like it's funny shit like, like it's hard for me not to laugh. Oh,
1: it's pretty funny. Alright. No right. cap.
0: Let me grab the fucking timestamp and let's get to the fucking next thing of the cast. Dark side of
1: football. The dark art of Bill Belichick.
0: So, what did you think of this? Well, one, it was better than the last episode
1: I can agree Last episode was just kind of
0: dumb This was actually more like This was more centered Yes This felt like I felt like a Overarching storyline that was actually interesting. Yeah. No offense to Chad Johnson, good player, and like his like, cute antics were good, but, but it's they like, barely
1: focused on him and it didn't make for much of a dark side story. Yeah, it
0: wasn't much of a dark side story, and more, and like his story wasn't more compelling that, oh, he wasn't supposed to make the NFL, but he's there. It's like, oh, yeah, he was killer, but like. The Bengals didn't really do much. Like, he was able to do good. But yeah, they, yeah, yeah. But Bill Belichick was fucking... There's ups, highs, and downs and all around. Yes. Like, I feel like Bill Belichick is way more of, like, a freaking character to give a fuck you about. You can love or hate Chad the guy.
1: You can love or hate the guy, and I definitely hate the guy, but he has a story.
0: Yes, he has a story, which literally... So the intro, basically... <laughs> yes. It all it was is like, like, I just wrote down. So the intro is basically Bill treats football like it's fucking warfare. Yes. And everyone's like, oh, he was a cheater. He's a cheater in our
1: pure sport of football. If I may. This shit was trying to get me upset. The first words spoken by this narrator, I want I don't know who this guy is. Who is this fucking jabroni? I don't know. What the know fuck who are is, you doing? guy? I kinda want to kick him in the nuts. The first words he says are Bill Belichick has been called many things, a mastermind, a warrior, and a cheater. I need to recap. Don't worry. I don't do this for the whole thing. This won't be fucking this won't be declined too, although, in my defense, there was so much to talk about with that. But this first 60, like, nine seconds of this video, this show, you've well, got some schmucks up playing his total genius. His total genius and, of the game. And when the narrator says a warrior, they Little have a warrior the of the actor, great
0: gladiator sport. They, oh, football.
1: they have the actor playing Belichick with a copy standing in front of a desk with a copy of Sung Tzu's Art of War. Which would you be shocked if he actually had a copy of fucking Art of War on his desk while playing on a fucking know. whiteboard? I don't know. Like, he kind of comes off like that. yeah. And then they, they say, he's a master of the politics of war. And then they cut to him talking to people saying, war, how do we fight a good one? One mistake ends it all for us. And then this one asshole, I forgot his name, comes on and says, he's a win-at-all-cost guy. That's why he cheated. Oh, and this is rich. This motherfucking narrator says, a normal football coach would have resigned. But Belichick shrugs it off. Rules are for losers. Rules are for losers. The narrator said that. He yeah. said the words. Rules are for losers. Rules are for <sighs> losers. I yelled. I almost got up. I exclaimed. Wait. Did, I did almost... you hear a
0: fucking yell in your house? Did your parents
1: go? Well, like, hey, no. I. I right? no, What's I, up in there? No, I didn't Yo, go. I didn't go to it. Okay, I didn't go. Ah, I went like ah. So I it. almost stood up for my lovely futon. So you just cringed yelled. You're just like, "Oh." And I almost I almost felt like knocking over my chair. I didn't do that, but I I literally so <laughs> I I started watching this for some reason. So, my journey with watching this episode last night was really weird. I was trying to do some shit in Kingdom Hearts 3. And I was like, okay, after I beat this, I'm going to go do the thing with James. And then after I, did, I watched the thing, and then I was like, well, okay, I'm going to, okay, okay. And then I got started watching something else. I'm like, fuck, okay. It's like 1 a.m. I've got to start, I've got to start watching Dark Art of Belichick. And then for some random reason, I watched the Mr., the Mitchells versus the Machines on Netflix. Okay. And then I started watching this at around really 3.30. I almost texted you in all caps, I can't do this. But fuck it, here we go, so bro. We get Raiders next week. You've earned it. <laughs> I have earned it. You've earned it. We get to talk about. But Raiders. I know how the NFL treats the Raiders, and I know how they like to point us. Here's the and, and I'll illustrate this throughout the thing. But to summarize real quick, when they say the bad shits the Patriots do, they try to put a spin on it. When they when people point out the bad shits the Raiders do, TV tropes even said the Raiders were like the heels of football. We were the bad guys. But it's like, whatever, I am going i don't want to get off on a thing. Whatever. So some random goobers show up and he's like, they're all like he's mistrusting. No one plays head games with him. The narrator says he's been called the greatest of all time and built one of the best dynasties in football. Even with all the scandals. But can someone truly be called the GOAT when scandal falls him in every turn? Rob Parker for Fox Sports says one of the most stupid things I've Rob ever heard. Rob Parker
0: of the Fox Sports. I
1: think somewhere down the road, there's going to be a lot of things that are going to be uncovered about him cheating. I'm like, they're uncovered now. So they talk about the ball scandal and they're like, yeah, man, he's secretive. I think it all comes from his childhood. And then we get his past and I'm like, unless you're a Patriots fan, how could you? possibly give a shit. Well, possibly. So, born in, in Indianapolis, he's the son of a plumber. I mean, he's the son of a football scout and his dad was- Oh, wait, do we
0: miss the part where like, here's the thing about the documentary. They had a quick thing where we meet DeQuill Jackson as he catches a fucking interception from fucking T. Brady. Oh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That's right. They showed him catching the ball but that, that would is, lead to the to the Deflate the the gate.
0: They literally, yeah. got, like on this documentary, they had a good emphasis on the flate gate. They like yeah. reference it in the beginning they did this right here to like storytelling mm-hmm. for like foreshadowing where the story's going. Yeah. But then we talk about his youth, which honestly his youth seemed a little bit more entertaining than fucking Chad Johnson's. Yeah. Like, was, I actually was kind of like curious. Just, like, he's a fucking Na- Like he was in the Navy and stuff. Yeah. His dad taught him about fucking warfare and shit.
1: He gave him saying Zune. Yeah. Fucking art of war. He's exposed stuff. to war strategy. And the thing that most resembles war Football. Football. He learned warfare strategies. He was destined. Destined. They said. Someone said he was destined to be a coach. I'm like, go fuck yourselves. Go fuck yourself. In the time, yeah, he was destined to be a coach at the age of fucking like what? At the age of seven. Because they said he. They, they, they pay, they played him off like he was a fucking wrestling mark because they were like they basically said he would study the tapes and 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 uh and and and, and dismantle the players and the plays and all the shit. And I'm just like, is he fucking- Team trading with Jim Crockett? What is this? Yeah, what the fuck's going on? In the so now in the timeline, young Belichick gets a position with the Colts, who at this point at, were still in Baltimore. Yeah, and he is at the age of twenty three. Which yeah, that's, that's impressive. I can tell you, I wasn't fucking. Wasn't yeah. that when Randy Orton became world champion? Yeah, I wasn't a fucking assistant coach at fucking twenty three from no. the Baltimore Colts. So I'm like there was like damn dude Holy fuck <laughs> I'm not gonna lie I actually had a moment Where I got out of my hatred And I was like Oh wow holy shit Good for him Yeah I know And he like I can't remember
0: But fucking He wasn't like He wasn't too bad At all the fucking Colts and stuff But I just like Yeah I know like My nose kind of jumped Because from here When he was the Colts, They kind of then jumped to him Becoming the defensive coordinator for the, or assistant, yeah, you became because, assistant coach, but defensive coordinator for the
1: giants. Yeah. I made a fucking great defensive team. So that's what had happened. Um, In the documentary's own words, in the narrator's own words, he was known as a defensive whiz. Defensive whiz. He made them monstrous. They they don't say this. I'm paraphrasing. (laughs) Okay, Ultimate Warrior. They were basically saying, I'm paraphrasing, but I swear to Jesus, this is what they were trying to get across. They basically said his defense was so baller that it carried the team. Pepper Johnson on, he talks about how he and Belichick hit it off and how. Basically, uh, John, talk about uh, his touch. It gave him pointers
0: like literally. Well, not even pointers. He literally is like, all right, you check this tape. Oh, yeah, yeah. See this thing. This is what you did well, but see this here, what you're doing with your left arm, what you should be doing with your right arm. Please stop doing that
1: with your left arm. Now, listen, come on. As We're place to play some football as a fair man. There are some legitimately good qualities to Belichick's coaching. Even his haters can see that. This this documentary makes a big stink about upplaying his his micromanagement and his attention to little details. He's genuinely very good at that. I'm about to say, it's like, isn't that what you're supposed to be in the No, that's fucking- what you're supposed to do, but some people suck at it. You've seen some of these football teams? Oh, I mean, look, let's talk about the Raiders. We can have the best... <laughs> We can have the best offense in the world, like when we were playing the fucking Chiefs last year, and Carr was putting in overtime, and our defense is the entire reason we want we, we, we lost the game. Sh- hey. That's that's why uh, the 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 Steelers had the Iron Curtain. They hey, had a great front line. Hey, you gotta remember. Offense wins you games, but defense wins you championships. <laughs> Who said that? I've heard that
0: before. I, I've heard that in like when fucking and when I was like you know, like I was trying to play high school football and stuff. and they oh, yeah. told us that. Did Greer tell you that? I think someone told us that. But that for sure is like, well, yeah, in theory, it's like fucking yeah, your offense could be killer, but if your defense is trash, you ain't going nowhere.
1: So now Belichick is at the Browns, and they talk how, basically, to save you all some time. Yeah, he went to the fucking Browns. So that's weird, isn't it? <laughs> like, I'm just sitting there, like... you Belichick, you don't think of the Cincinnati... Not to say, he, he was, uh, like,
0: jumping around. Like, that was interesting. So, wait, he was at the Cleveland Browns? because Cleveland like, Browns, yeah. Because, yeah, he was an assistant coach with uh, the Giants, but, like, him... And I think it was, like, what, Bill fucking Darcel
1: was, like... Bill something. Parcel, I
0: think. Yeah, Bill Parcel was, like, they... Fucking would be bitchy with each other and stuff too. Because
1: the truth about Belichick is, and they say this in the documentary, he wanted control. He didn't want to just... He didn't want to be the show, but he wanted to be the complete mastermind behind the show. So he went to the Browns. (laughs) To the Browns. (laughs) Can you imagine? Where he did his first head coach job. I want to be... I want to create a football dynasty. Let me go to the Browns. And like literally freaking when he get there... Like yeah, he, there was the, a local hero. A
0: lot of the play. Well, one a lot of the players realized, oh shit, we actually might have to work. more Yeah, now. yeah, yeah, that too. And the local hero, of Bernie, never got his last. Kosar. So I tell me so. about the story of Bernie Kosar and Bill yeah. Belichick.
1: Okay, so to su- to summarize it a little bit, but how was go- Bernie perceived to the people of Cleveland? Bernie was. Over like Rover. They love this God. guy. Love this kid. He local was a hero. God. They had signs. He was the reason they went. They believed in him. It was some of that like Cinderella story kind of shit. But
0: Belichick. But
1: Bill Belichick. He's like, just he like give a shit.
0: It's like he's got diminishing skills and he's kind of a clumsy player. And like the videotape that they saw is like, you see him throwing like these awkward fucking balls like, wait, what the fuck is that? Now,
1: I won't lie. <laughs> his skills were not perfect, but I think he could have been refined. Maybe, but I don't know how late into his career he is. So, basically, Belichick said publicly, he basically said, this dude sucks. Fuck these fans. I'm running shit my way. Because they say this later, but I'll say it now. He trades this um, Bernie, like, halfway through the season, and he— and. The fans were pissed. It was like Jim Cornette heat. Was it
0: the training or did he just kick him off the team? It was one of the two. I don't remember. But here's the thing. It's like, it's weird. He replaced Bernie and he was able to take the fucking Browns to the playoffs. playoffs. And I'm like,
1: this is the fucking Browns. They suck. Okay. I know. So they made it to the fucking playoffs. What? Okay. I I thought we were jumping ahead, but no. Okay. So I was going to say, to add on what you were saying. Yeah. The year is 1994. Belichick takes him to the playoffs. They fight the Patriots, run by his old uh, coaching partner. They beat them, but Cleveland is still pissed at them because they got rid of the hometown hero. Like literally, it's like you took <coughs> it. You have disgraced our god of
0: Bernie. Was <laughs> it? What was his last name? Kosar uh, Co- or Kosar. You have disgraced our god of <coughs> Bernie Kosar. Bk. This is this doesn't feel like the
1: Browns. We're winning. Fuck you. <laughs> no, it wasn't a meme yet. Are you sure? Well, then again, if no, offense, I'm sure he's a nice guy. But if Bernie Kosar is your hero, I'm not saying you have low taste. I'm saying you probably didn't get much greatness yeah. in your football team. And like,
0: you make it to the playoffs, and you finally make it to the playoffs, but it's like, yo, fuck you. You took away Bernie
1: Kosar, and then like, eventually, he's like. You know, what? he he got basically ran out of Cleveland. That's what I said. Yeah, he's a, he got Jim Cornette. He, he was getting death threats. His cars were the windows of his car were being broken with sledgehammers. Police had to give him security escorts, and he was winning games for them. Can you imagine? Yeah, that's kind of fucking wild. Hey, you got rid of our guy, but you know what? You got us to the playoffs. We didn't get the Super Bowl, but you know what? Give it another year. Give it You'll a year. Probably or two. get us that ring. And, no, and you and took it's away like, our boy Bernie it's like, it's like, oh, we're winning? Go fuck yourself We yeah. don't want to win Come on, we're the Browns <laughs> we'd, we'd, we'd rather lose like kings Than win like bitches Whatever So eventually forget at this point The Browns are, I'm sorry The Browns are such an anomaly of football <laughs> Like if you give them the basic amount of thought I know they're the whipping boys Them and the Lions But if you think about the Browns for even a minute It's the funniest fucking thing. Dude, their fucking mascot is color. It's (laughs) What the fuck is this team? It's
0: like so bland. (laughs) But like they're so entertaining because they suck so much.
1: And the fans know they suck. Whatever. Oh, yeah. And then they fired him. Uh, The owner of the team fired Belichick. Yeah. And I laughed and I laughed and I laughed. Whatever. When they fired him.
0: So, whatever. He returns to coaching with Bill Parcells for the Patriots. Yes. So, I they guess. They're trying no- to
1: paint this as an act of redemption almost. I Dude, guess. Yeah. yeah. Seriously, how's this fucking dark side? A second chance. <sighs> Yo, sec- It gets a little dark later. Ish. Ish. We'll get there. Yes. So he becomes the Patriots assistant coach again, like you said. But then they're just like, fuck this. We're going to join the New York Jets. Now, they're not a memetically bad team like the Browns, but they're not like, they're not great. Yeah. Yeah. So Belichick, they butt heads a lot because, in my opinion, Belichick wants to be the boss. He wants to get the glory. So Bill, oh yeah, it was Parcel. This is where I wrote his last name. So Bill Parcel leaves, and Bill was gonna lead the Jets. But the thing is, Parcel was gonna take an um an upper management like desk spot. Yeah. So he would have been Belichick's boss. Belichick was like, fuck that. Yeah, like it literally is like he gets
0: appointed head coach. But then, like a couple minutes later, it's like, "All right, I'm quitting the team. Out of here,
1: peace." All he and, and he's like, "What?" And I'm not gonna lie, this is stupid. This was disrespectful, but it was kind of awesome. All he he takes a piece of paper and he writes, "I resign," uh, H- from HC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's it. He goes up to the podium and he says, "I resign," and then he leaves. I know. Like and from not, there, that's kind of fun. And then from there, we shall
0: take a Doctor Death Danger fucking piss break. Okay. All right, listeners, and we are back. All right. So after fucking Bill Belichick just told the Jets to fuck to off, go fuck themselves. I'm gonna go yeet off and go play fucking boss man elsewhere.
1: The narrator says, "The keys to the kingdom he was handed when he went back to the Patriots." And yeah. then and then there's a sh- and then there's a roll call of of uh, folks that were on the on the roster, basically saying they feel he just wanted control. Well, so when- I think that's
0: been kind of what the narrative's been for the good portion of the fucking doc. So it's the early two thousands. It's like not even the early 2000s. Two- it's like the beginning of the 2000s. Right. It's, it's like early two thousand. Yeah. Or just the season of 2000. (laughs) The year 2000. In the year of our
1: lore, 2000. So we made it
0: through like Y2K. Our computers didn't
1: fucking shut down and the world didn't go into chaos. Yes, that Family Guy episode lied to me. So at New England, ironically, it's the same story. Uh, There's a local hero, they don't win that many games. But then there's one random game. The guy gets hit really hard and he gets taken out. Yeah,
0: cute. the quarterback was named Drew Bloodsell, I
1: think. That, was that his name? It was so I heard Blood Cell. So it was That's a getting, sick name. So Drew Bloodsell. That sounds like this should be That sounds like this should be like uh, I don't Basically know. Basically got fucking murked in like the game what it looked like with the Jets and stuff. Yeah. So
0: we meet a young There's a sixth round, second year quarterback, sixth round draft pick, second year quarterback, California cool dude, they did describe from the Bay Area, Tom Brady.
1: Brady.
0: I didn't know he was from California, but I never knew. I didn't either. And it shows how much I gave a fuck
1: about Tom Brady. This motherfucking narrator, he says, born in the Bay. This is an exact, this is a quote. Born in the Bay Area. Born in the Bay Area. Tom Brady is the is the epitome of California cool. What the fuck? That's what he said. And they have the actor playing him in fucking shades. They film him from the shades up and then they film his mouth and the actor like fucking smirks. I'm like, I have a feeling Like, that- What is this? So the documentary, this fucking, so they talk about how Brady at the, which is true. At this point, he was an underdog. Like he said, six draft pick, six round draft pick. And him and Belichick both had something to prove. So basically the original starting quarterback is let go. And they start winning. Because Belichick didn't like him, but yes. fucking Brady, he had a little bit more ferocity and like gave a fuck about the game more. They start winning, and then they mention uh, ahem, the stupid fucking talk rule. A fucking tuck rule event where they a, beat my Raiders in and 2002
0: in the, the snow. Where fucking Brady was able to, like, what was happening? He was able to, like, what, tuck his arm in, and then freaking when they tackle him was like, oh, you got oh a no, flagged, bro. Yeah.
1: It's like, what do you, they're like, what the fuck do you mean? He's like, oh, when he did this, he was tucking the ball. It's like, what the fuck? Oh my god. You know the conspiracy theory behind that? The conspiracy theory behind the reason why that tuck rule shit happened is because this is 2002. When 9-11 happened in 2001, the football season was over. So the, the idea is, and I know it's conspiracy theory. The conspiracy theory is the Patriots conspired with the league to help them win the Super Bowl so that the red, white, and blue American Patriots win the Super Bowl. And it'll be a feel-good
0: moment for America. Over the
1: black and silver. Yes.
0: So, yeah, which is, that's fucking crazy. But whatever. Then they go to the Super Bowl against the Rams. And the Pats win their first Super Bowl. Wait. Yeah, no, that's what, that's what it says. They go to the Rams
1: I, and they win the Super Bowl. Yeah, I was about to say. I was they like, have this big, grand, triumphant music playing in the background. They're popping bottles of champagne. Eric Metcalf says... <sighs> Metcalf says he's wind-driven. The problem is he's too smart. How's that a problem? <laughs> I don't know. So now Bell Belichick- he the fucking all-knower
0: of the universe. <laughs> So at did this, he just read like three more books than the next guy? Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he, gra- I he read went, three more books than you. He this graduated year. from Tzu to Lao Tzu. Yeah. So now Belichick has a big, has a metaphorical big dick. His coaching philosophy is being implemented, like he's across the up. organization. Like it's now stepped up, and like the fucking. This is the
0: point where they're talking about how much of a hard coach he is. Yeah. Like he's fucking making them. Like he's trying to make us. Like honestly, Sunday is going to be the easy day. Rest yeah. of the week is going to be hell. That's what. Yeah. He, they said his
1: philosophy was uh, the practice. Are harder than and then the we're at the
0: frigging hotel buffet, like breakfast buffets and yeah. stuff. He'll go up to random players, start quizzing them on stuff. And they don't, he'll fucking smack their
1: fucking scramby eggs down to the ground. Was that what happened?
0: Are they so Cause big. that's
1: what happened in the thing. But I didn't know if he just, it was just, that's what the I documentary see, tried to believe. us. I didn't see him hit the tray. I thought that. The, oh, I thought I'm the, so scared of Bill Belichick. <laughs> yes. I dropped my fucking tray. Yes. And they tried to say that later that people were intimidated by Bill Belichick. Can I just like believe
0: that he's just fucking insane smack dude scramby he eggs is to the, insane
1: to, like scrap like
0: smack dude scramby eggs to the ground if they don't know that <laughs> they aren't like passing his quizzes now
1: one thing I didn't know I think which that'd is, be a little bit more entertain, entertaining of a narrative why wasn't Bill Belichick just in this? I don't fucking know. I wasn't Brady in this. He left the team. Whatever. I don't know. Maybe they're expensive. Yeah. So one thing, <laughs> like I, Vice is. I don't know if Vice has that much money. So I thought this was interesting. Apparently, he. I don't know if he still did later on, but he used to uh, rail on Brady the hardest. And then they go on. Well, and they on. like
0: because like with the hard coaching, they talk about like friggin' like they'll you'll start like breaking down like people where they like kind of fucked up during the game on tape yeah. and stuff. And literally, he's railing Brady, and then everyone else is like, "Oh shit!" If 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 he's railing our superstar quarterback, Tom Brady, then
1: no one's safe from his wrath for his bloodlust for football warfare. I don't know if they said bloodlust, but I swear to it's God, I the think same they said the other two. Whatever. So, well, they said football and warfare, yes. and that they said the, those two words so many times to describe Bill Belichick's fucking career. I'm like, I'm surprised. I guess so, I'm surprised. What was that? That's just so. I'm Facebook surprised bullshit. they just didn't straight up call him the general. So anyway, they go on and on about how smart he is, how he breaks down the teams and how he reads the art of war. Like it's this big literary accomplishment. Even Chad Johnson makes a cameo to put him over a,
0: for it, no reason. Well, it's still in the same chair where he was doing interviews. So I'm sure, well, I'm sure he did a quick interview. The same outfit. Yeah. And don't forget, he did play for the Pats for like the one season.
1: Yeah. But I, yeah. yeah. I'm sure he ha- probably I'm figured. I'm sure he has
0: a comment for Bill Belichick. And Chad Johnson is a
1: star. Yes. So
0: you might as well, like. Edit in a little comment
1: from it. It hurts. Timeline jumps to Bill winning the next Super Bowl and then the next one. And now here comes the first major time the rule breaking comes in. Around 2007, he was looking in the ways to get back to the Super Bowl because they won those they won those three Super Bowls in uh, four years. So then, from two, the 2005 to 2007 season ish, uh, they hadn't been to the playoffs, or they've been to the playoffs, but they haven't been to the Super Bowl. So he was starting to use he. They called this thing uh, Spygate. Oh, the first Spygate. Yeah,
0: where was it? Basically, it seemed like they had like a dude, a cameraman, hanging out near the Bengals area. Filming in and watching hand signals and stuff of the fucking coaches and everything. Yeah. And using that to relay information to him so that his players can have an idea of what they're doing so that they could get set up and stuff. Yeah. And they're sitting there's like,
1: This fucking cheating, bro. What the fuck's with this guy? Did I miss here? Did he also find a way to hear the audio on their headsets? I think there, like, there's, like, later on, they talk about,
0: like, one, there was, like, one, like, a defensive coordinator was trying to talk to his, like, main fucking, like, linebacker to set up the play for everyone, to relay, but fucking the linebackers like just could not hear what he's saying or anything. So, I don't know if they're trying to improvise. Like, oh, hey, maybe Belichick has some fucking, like, Star Wars freaking um radio interference <laughs> fucking shit.
1: Well, they kept referencing Star Wars with Bill Belichick. They did, like, four times. Like, he is the Sith Lord of football. This documentary called him a Sith Lord! I'm like, what the fuck are you trying to do? What is this shit? Like, it's entertaining. Like, I'm having fun, <laughs>
0: enjoying Bill Belichick. Like, I thought I was just gonna hate this because it was going to be like sucking his dick, but at the same time, it's like...
1: It is? He's almost a cartoon character, though. He's like a cartoon bad guy. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck am I listening? It's almost pro wrestling at this point. I'm telling you, football's a work, bro. Belichick and Tom Brady are, are, are long-form storytelling. So Belichick gets outed, and ba- his res- public responses are basically, yeah, I did that. He He says, I did that, but I didn't cheat. Like I took those pictures, but I didn't use them to cheat. And everyone's collectively like What? He's just he's just sitting there's like, Well,
0: I didn't use it. What are you talking about? There's a point where he's like, like, there's a point where it's like he's can- like, it was it's in the past,
1: let's move on. And I'm like, <laughs> fuck you! It's like, wait, what? We could do that. <laughs> it's like, oh my god. They, they they even mentioned that they found more tapes, but they walked in on Patriot guys destroying all the tapes so there wouldn't be more evidence. Or they found, like, a bunch of tapes being destroyed. Yeah.
0: So that there wouldn't be any evidence. So whatever, the first Spygate, basically in the end, like, friggin', yeah, like, there's that little, like, controversy, and And he he just basically denies it. I'm like, I didn't use the footage. And it basically comes down to, like, wait, can you approve it? And he says he got... Guys, come on. That's past tense. We've won the game. Let's move on. It's Super got, Bowl time now.
1: He got no suspension. Just a fat fine. It was $500,000, which is a lot. That's a fat amount of money. But I think Pat's had enough money where it's like,
0: come on, we're here to win Super Bowls. And
1: the documentary
0: and even says... chump change. Come on.
1: And the documentary even says that fucking city of New England didn't even care that Belichick got caught cheating because... The Patriots apparently had, they only show one example, but apparently the Patriots had been cheating long before they got there. So. The Pats have
0: a history of cheating.
1: They talk about how they got booze, the Patriots, right? At this point, they got booze everywhere they went and they loved it. And I'm like, Stop. Stop it! Fucking stop trying to paint them as badasses. So
0: by 2012, they appeared in five Super Bowl in, in over 12 years, which is like, well, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. I don't know. The narrator
1: says the narrator has the fucking temerity to say Bill Belichick was gravitating towards the dark side, but the darkest. Is yet to come.
0: I'm like, is it? I just wrote down, I guess it became fucking Sidious now. <laughs> like, they talk about like, him, like, slicing his fucking hoodies and always wearing a hood. Yeah. While uh, fucking out of the field, which like, yeah, I guess it's a meme of This about. is the
1: part. They basically, basically say that teams would get intimidated by his mystique. The narrator calls him the Dark Lord of the NFL, <laughs> what the fuck is this? <laughs> what is this? What is this? What what is this? Like I'm not bored. <laughs> like oh, I wasn't bored. <laughs> like this has been like so far like twice. I got like maybe four hours of sleep. My like, head is so light. Like and- I like I don't give a fuck about Bill Belich- Belichick. I'm barely stay, but sitting. like this has been entertaining. It's like he's the Sith Lord of football. I'm like. Fuck, dude. Oh, and then they push how he broke the rules with the Ravens, with, oh. with, with the ineligible receivers. And then this fucking guy named Ben Volen says he knows the rules better than anyone. And he's constantly pushing them. I'm like, he's fucking breaking them. He's breaking them or
0: pushing them and knowing the edge of it. And also fucking, they're also showing, he's like telling us like, all right, don't fucking throw balls to fucking like referees and stuff because they're not receivers. They're not going to catch that. What you need to do is run, grab it, time management, time management, let's use the clock. Like literally it's like they're making it sound like he's a fucking warfare genius. I'm manipulating the game, but it's like. Haven't you fucking played fucking Madden? That's how you're kind of supposed to do it. <laughs> Come on. Like, I've actually won a Madden game because one motherfucker didn't realize he had timeouts and the clock was running out. And we just sat there as well. I was like, is he going to use his fucking timeouts? The, like, the clock like is running. And yeah. then the clock runs out. And it's like, wait, wait. Oh shit! The clock right out. It was like,
1: "Ah, <laughs> fuck this guy!" Motherfucking numnuts. Was I there when that happened? Because that sounds really familiar. It was at the TC. I thought so. It yeah, was at our. I funny, did see that. It Was at our freaking youth
0: rec center. Oh, and
1: they didn't. They didn't go anywhere with this, but they mentioned that there was a rumor about them going to, about the Patriot Boys going to hotel rooms, rummaging through trash cans or just find, trash bags to find game notes. I'm like, well.
0: How they're describing the dark Sith Lord of football? Would you be surprised, or it's
1: like, come on, run this through the garbage? It's tactical warfare, you guys. It's He's a fucking it's genius. A tactical
0: warfare, you guys.
1: This this is this come doesn't on. feel like dark,
0: dark football. This isn't dark
1: side of the ring. This isn't even gray slytering. This is dick. This is this this is this is the dick sucking of football. This
0: is Richard of football.
1: So it's 2015 now. Gillette Stadium, Flake Gate. Yeah, so we now we finally get the Deflate Gate. So the ball, they because they Tarantino this. They start. They mentioned this earlier. Now we're coming back to it. So, um, what's the guy's name that caught the ball? Dequil Jackson. Dequil Jackson catches the ball, and so he hands the ball to the referee because he's like, "Hey, I caught this dope interception. Put my name and number on it. I want to take that ball home,
0: and so uh, I show could, it to my kid. And I can flex off. to my kid that like, you see that ball? <laughs> you see that ball, your little young Jackson." I caught that from
1: Tom <laughs> fucking Brady. But
0: nope, can't because the
1: fucking the rest. The rest confiscated the ball and they're like, huh, this feels sus. And then they find out 12, 11 out of 12 balls are below average PSI. Everybody gets pissed. Like two pounds PSI in which they describe as like, well, here's the thing. If
0: like the balls like more deflated, it's, hard, it's easier to frigging grip onto the ball. And it's easier to catch. And they're like, well, the fucking pass I haven't been fumbling, so... What they point the that fu- out. They barely
1: got any fumbles that year. So what the fuck? Well, you know, if Barry Bonds can have an act, can never get inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame because he used steroids when he broke his records, why the fuck are there is there are there no asterisks next to these names? This wasn't like one season. They've been doing this for years. Yeah. So you he know gets I'm, off again, but Brady gets suspended for four games. So literally what basically comes from this is that after this whole thing, they literally
0: was, they he gets fined like a million, like they, the Pats get fined a million dollars and Brady has to miss out for four games. But Belichick kept cruising and everyone's like, honestly, it seems like
1: Belichick used Brady as the fall guy and Brady knew. Oh, yeah, you can see there's, like, a look of resignation on his face. Yeah. Even they even try to pin it on the ball, boy. Like,
0: they're, like, going to fucking court and shit. And, fucking, you just see Brady with this fucking, like, no fucks given shades and suit and everything walking to court. He's the
1: epitome of California cool. <laughs> what
0: the fuck is this team? What is this? Yeah, what is this football team? It's like, I'm going to tell you right now, watching Pats games kind of fucking suck and are boring. Unless they're, like, losing, maybe. like yeah, all their stars are gone. But even then, it's like, watching Pats games suck. But I guess this documentary
1: is like, anything when it comes to not playing football, the Pats are interesting. And these stupid schmucks back in New England, they think, oh, Belichick is super-duper badass. Because he'll do whatever it takes to win. And then this is the part where I walked in, and you're still watching. And you caught this, too, because I thought I made a mistake. This is basically how this goes. They're like, Belichick wins his fifth Super Bowl ring. The narrator says, like, two sentences, and then he says, now with the sixth championship ring. Like, did it not jump like that? Yeah, I'm like, was, it like, the sixth Super Bowl win not important or something? Yeah, they they, like, talk, yeah, they talk about the fifth
0: win, then they just jump to the sixth well, one. Well, I guess the fifth one was related to fucking Deflategate, so... Yeah, so yeah, he so, gets so they get to the sixth one. So, so
1: yeah, and then in 2019, a Patriots scout is is found illegally taping the Bengals. That person gets fired, and that's so, basically it. So another Spygate and another million dollar fine, but fucking whatever. No punishment. Bec- and uh, and then in 2020, Brady leaves. Ba- Brady leaves, and then the Patriots start losing. And can I just say, personal opinion: Brady winning that Super Bowl last year was a travesty to football. Because you know what? All those scandals, all of that, all the bullshit, the ball deflations, the fact that he was in on it, knew about it, carried out with it. Now, to a lot of people, that's not going to matter. Because you know what? He won a seventh Super Bowl with this team, playing it by the rules. He was always a great player. We're going to have to hear about that. Belichick's legacy will probably get tarnished more and more as time goes on. But Brady's, oh, he's set. He said you could say whatever you want about him now, but people are going to be like, yeah, but he won that one that one Super Bowl (sighs) football sucks now. So the thing basically ends
0: with. Well, it's just uh, like honestly, in the end, it's like he yeah, he was able to build a great dynasty, but would it be tarnished because he's a cheater and stuff? I just yes, I, I guess so. It depends. And I actually have a fucking thing I actually want to bring up that actually kind of reminded me when listening to this. What's which, that? Which is um, let me grab a timestamp since maybe someone might actually like care for this. So freaking um, fifty nine. Sorry, listeners. Sorry for the dead air. Don't mean to, but a little crazy. You know what's kind of funny? Remember when actually, when Tom Brady actually won that fucking Super Bowl at the Tampa Bay? He was just like, he went on a drunk rampage. It's like, Tom Brady has now become the Florida man. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. California cool. <laughs> just like, he's now just raging at fucking Tampa Bay. No fucks given and stuff. At least with the fucking Pats Blow Penis now. Freaking all that shit. But like, listening to this fucking like well watch this documentary and all of bill pelichick it's like things like he was th- they talk about like a game where like he was able to get the fucking like like it's like snowing and shit so he's able to get like a zamboni out in the middle of the field to yeah, clean a yeah. spot where they can actually have a good like clear kick to the goal and stuff and everyone was just going like, that's cheating that's cheating and i'm like just sitting there it's like you know what this reminds me it reminds me of like motorsports sto- stories. I don't remember the specific names, but I remember one time a story in NASCAR because there was this guy that had all these fucking tips or tricks, basically dudes would like look into the rules and literally find anything that sounds like a loophole or could be exploited. Like literally one time for like this one, like this one NASCAR mechanic, he literally put a basketball in the fucking gas tank. So it literally was like, so when they filled it up and when officials like checked the fucking fuel range and stuff, it like was in the limits. But once they like got away from the officials, they took out the fucking basketball and was able to like put in a lot more fuel than any of the other teams and stuff. So they can have that little advantage. Mm. What this also reminded me of is the story of the the friggin' 1983 uh, World Championship Rally season. And basically where friggin' um, Tortellini Martini or the Lancia team was able to win it. And literally they only raced like for friggin' half the season. They only drove half the season basically. Because like friggin' the other team, the previous like year's champions, the friggin' Audi team... Basically, they were like a big, strong, tight-knit unit, like all hands are deck, all everyone's focused. advanced technology. But while the Lancia team, their main head guy was a fucking yacht riding, powerboat racing fucking playboy. But the thing was, he knew about the fucking race rules. So he understand and read them and was able to basically know where to exploit it. It's like the first race of the season, which I think was like either Monaco or I could be definitely wrong. The first race, it's a snowy race. And basically, Audi has an all-wheel drive, great traction, friggin' rally car. But Lancia, they have just a light mid-engine, two-wheel drive rally car. And basically, what they did to help with that, because friggin' the Audi-like car is going to be a little bit better on like the ice and grip more because it's all-wheel drive. What What the fucking Lancia team was, all right. All my fucking mechanics go to every fucking local store you can pick up as much salt as you can and basically put at any difficult or like high speed corners, get some salt on there so our team could fucking like basically get the advantage. So they did that shit and they were able to win the first race and they won a couple more races. Will also help with the car, too, because it was really dumbass light and stuff. What he went around is that, honestly, sometimes the inspectors don't really check that shit. So the fucking roll cages in those cars were made out of fucking cardboard. Like, they look pretty convincing, roll cages. But no, they were fucking plastic fucking death traps and stuff. But basically... They had, like, all the other stuff, too. There was, like, one time, then, like, another race where it was more of a dusty off-road kind of race and stuff. What would they do? Because realizing that their car can't really see as well in the dust and stuff, they realized they would most of the time kind of hold up the fucking officials going go, like, oh, hey, my seatbelt's loose. Uh, I can't, like, go on and stuff. Just do that shit to, like hold off the officials so that the dust can clear and then they can go mob off and stuff too. Like, and like literally they missed like half the races, but in the end they were able to mathematically able to win it with all their like tips and tr- like all their trickery and stuff too. So, Basically, when listening to the fucking, like, watching this Bill Belichick thing, it literally just sounded like, dude, I'm hearing stories from motorsports and stuff, too. Like, this isn't fucking, like, all the time. Maybe I get it fucking diminishes the great glory of football and stuff. <laughs> but Belichick just literally sound like, dude, you sound like these fucking Italian playboys who literally said there as like, well, our resources aren't as big. We don't have as much money. What can we do? And boom, that's what they fucking, and like, was able to do tips and tricks and just play the fucking game. Like, know your fucking rule book, actually exploit it, and push it to the edge. So there's, like, I'm not a Bill Belichick defender because um, <clears throat> I can give a fuck about him and fuck him and fuck the Pats. Yes. But like the documentary is like center like, dude, I've heard these stories before. And like in the end of the documentary for Bill Belichick, what they also mention is that one of his old protégés and his team became a head coach and they're facing off yeah, and Tennessee. he starts doing the same tactics as him. So I'm sitting is like, well, I don't know their fucking team start doing the same thing as Bill Belichick. It seemed like it took like fucking 10 years to do it. But now it seems like people yeah. are like, start doing that throwing us fire. It's like, Unless they fucking actually establish the rules or anything more. At this point, it's like, what's we'll stopping anyone else from exploiting what and Bill that's, Belichick's that's doing? That's the
1: interesting thing. They try to, they they don't say this, but they put forward this idea that uh, Belichick like left a lasting impact on, uh, on coaching and coaching strategies in the NFL.
0: Like, I get it. He's a fucking cheater. But at the same time, <laughs> so it sounds like fucking a lot of stuff. It's like, I've heard this shit in motorsports, too. It's like literally getting that one little bit extra edge. And sometimes that will might like he might have built a dynasty. He might be a cheater, but at the same time, he's gonna be a legend for fucking being able to exploit the fucking stupidity of the NFL. Because yeah, what made
1: them all they
0: did was like, oh, you're fine, oh, you're fine. They didn't change the rules to fucking make sure on that. Like, they changed the rules on, like, other little things, but not against what fucking Bill Belichick did. It was like, okay, we got to prevent people from doing that. No, I was like, okay, we're going to find you so you can continue on. It's like, half the time they fucking allowed it because I
1: guess the fucking Pats were a draw for fucking the NFL. And that's what I was going to say about this documentary. Um, It keeps trying to downplay the cheating in a way. Like, it tells you it happened, but they try to, like, make the Patriots look like renegade badasses where it was like, Us versus them mentality against the world. And I'm just like, fuck off. Don't insult my intelligence. The other thing is, this this is more focused than the Chad Johnson one.
0: Oh, this was way more focused. And I actually really thought this was an entertaining episode. But in
1: a lot of ways, it's still too like broad, it doesn't hone in on anything. It suggests, oh, I yeah, know. Like, there's a, a part, there's a part where it suggests Belchick is friends with the NFL owner, what's his name, but they don't really go deep in or even ask anyone about this. This dark side of football is off to a very weak start compared to like dark side of the ring, yes, which
0: we are now going to get to. But after, uh, Dr. The Danger piss break, oh my god, and now back. From the doctor, that danger piss break. As we're now coming into the main event of our podcast, we're here today to talk about the other thing that we watch: Dark Side of the Rings episode of Collision in Korea.
1: This episode is a lot more
0: mellow, like compared to the last (laughs) one, which was like fucking blood, like fucking blood and gore and robbery and balling out in Atlantic City. Yes, this is more of. Have you ever really heard of North Korea? Do you know what kind of goes down in North Korea? <laughs> a lot of shit. Other than what's kind of being presented on CNN, where you see a lot of like propaganda and like very like elaborate big spectacle parades, you're about to find out as we talk about an event where WCW and New Japan Pro Wrestling both had a joint effort to do a super show in North Korea as a peace sports festival thing. That's what they called it. Yeah. Yes. So, how did this documentary start out? Actually, I know how it started out. We get a shot of this great Wyoming mountain range Mm -hmm. as we meet Eric Bischoff. I can't remember if we see a clip of him rolling in on his big, fat, luxury Harley or something, or is that at the end?
1: Mm, That's the end for sure. I don't think it happened here at the beginning. He is with his big, fluffy dog, though. He has a. Very adorable big fluffy dog. Yes. I think
0: he's just Bish shot where it's like, I made my money, I'm gonna yeet off into the mountains where I ride my big giant He's either a tiny man or that's a big motorcycle. He's not that big, but that bike is very big. Oh my fuck. <laughs> when I saw that bike a bike that's a lot of metal to be, like, fucking shucking around. It's fucking metal, dude. Fucking metal, dude. Fucking Metallica. <laughs> like, corn. dan it,
1: dan it, dan. Da.
0: Um, friggin' you ever heard of underground bands like Escape the Fate?
1: <laughs> <laughs> dude, I hope I fucking made some Metalhead cringe right now. That'd be fucking oh, hilarious. Man. Um... So Eric Bischoff, yes, you're right, is on. Uh, they ask him, you know, what his gimm- what his thing. I don't say gimmick. What his they thing ask, was in WCW? Yeah,
0: what was he in WCW? And, and they talk about his early, like the early '90s, Eric Bischoff in WCW. Yeah,
1: when he got hired on as an announcer, he was really mostly just a fly on the wall, and you know he saw some of the crooked business practices going down. The wrestling world is still, but the world uh, the wrestling world was a very uh, corrupt business place. It was a different, like, in the
0: early 90s, like, freaking WCW, they, like, in the documentary say, like, they're still kind of a regional company. And, like, Bischoff's trying to, like, he eventually was able to get power or so, but and he's trying to push the company into bigger heights. Like, he's able to get Hulk Hogan and Macho Man, Randy Savage, all these stars that WWE decided to, like... Shook off because he felt like they're too old and like WWEs became like post 80s still a pseudo like drawing free and like monolith compared to what like WCW where they're kind of still like su- like eat like Southeast re- like regional kind of mm-hmm. like wrestling and stuff too. So Bischoff's trying to find ways to like kind of like build. The they're company. just
1: now getting out of. They're yeah. They're just now getting out of like the Jim uh, Crockett era. Not Jim Crockett. Um, who am I thinking of? Um. Well, either way. They're, well, either they're, way. Still, they're still connected to that stuff.
0: Yeah. And basically, Turner is like purchased. And I guess I, at some point, like Bischoff becomes like a little bit more head. So, one of the first yeah. things Bischoff does is that he establishes
1: a working relationship with New Japan again. Because the old bosses had pissed them off and, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, and he wanted to uh, reestablish connection with them. And he was able to put get um, send some of his wrestlers over there. And alternatively, he was able to get some. Uh, pretty big New Japan stars over here, and then the wrestling fan of me got a chub when I saw Juice and Thunder Liger squaring off with Scott Steiner. That was that was cool,
0: yeah. No, so basically, they're showing clips of when, like, I remember, like, yeah, WCW was able to bring in, like, well, Muto did come in when, like, he was on an excursion for, United States and stuff. But yeah, we get shots of great Muda get freaking shots of Ultimo dragon and sunny Ono. Yeah. And then friggin' showing Jushin Thunder Liger. But then we have so, shots of in Japan, we got fucking Hawk and the Steiner brothers and sting
1: just fucking flying over the ropes. Yeah. So now WCW has a good relationship with New Japan. But they're la- but WCW was lacking in drawing and star power, which at this point, the E still has. So one day, Antonio Inoki calls Eric because he's like, hey, Eric, let's go to North Korea. I have an idea for my political campaign.
0: I have an idea for my political campaign and to do a peace festival, which it yes. isn't stated in the documentary. But around this time... Anoki's political positions being in question and he's got scandals of possible connections with the Yakuza and then friggin and in North Korea, the dear leader, the dear leader, um, fuck, I can't remember his name, uh, Kim Il-sung. So Kim Il-sung recently passed away from a heart attack. So North Korea like gets a new leader and for friggin' like because it's a propaganda base for like in communist like country and stuff, they need a little bit of like support and stuff too. They're not sure about their new leader and their last year leader just passed away. So there's a little friggin', um a little like def- like kicking the nuts of morale for North Korea. So they yeah. feel like possibly opening up their borders and
1: possibly and trying to like prove how great of a nation they are. Keep in mind that at this point tensions with Japan are still high because North Korea still hates Japan for the occupations of their island in the early 20th century.
0: Yeah. So friggin' there's still like nationality hate and like all the North Koreans know is like friggin' Japan is evil and North America's evil. Is evil,
1: yeah. And they want to rape our women, rape our women, and eat our children. That, they didn't say this in the documentary, but that is like there is documented proof that they, that they is, tell their children that that is their or f- they did once upon a
0: time. Yeah, that's their fucking propaganda and stuff and everything. But as I said, due to the dear leader, basically they need to try to bring up morale and political support. So friggin' yes. they open pseudo relations with Japan, and Inoki realizes he's a fuck. He's willing to do a fucking peace, like fucking like. Set up a little peace festival because they quickly mentioned because you meant there's a moment when um there was Japanese citizens that were like, I can't remember if they're like, I think it might have been Iraq or so. Friggin, yes. Like Iraq. basically there was a bunch of Japanese citizens that were held hostage and Inoki was able to communicate with them, set up a peace festival wrestling show, was able to get their citizens back from like for being hostages get released and literally like a week a couple of days to a week later desert S- operation desert storm happens yeah like the documentary doesn't say that, but like, I, was, I know I'm I like, I've got, I think this is just like stuff I kind of remember, I think around the time period. Yeah. So this kind of shows what like Enoki's a political
1: they, support. I'm a little bummed they didn't go into that. Dude,
0: they have, Anok, a four, they have a 45, they should have
1: been two parts.
0: This is 45 minute format. It, depa- it I feel really
1: like, should have been two. Or
0: at least an hour and a half. Yeah. Because I don't know if two hours, because there's a point where it kind of seems like it just drags. Where it's just like, a lot of yeah. it just sounds like, yeah, there's propaganda, but just sounds like it's just fucking boredom. Yeah. So they ask, and, to- and it's vice. <laughs> so freaking their spiciness of having sixteen-year-old freaking drug lords and stuff. Like they needed to make sure to kind of keep it spicy. But I have a feeling yeah. just talking about the climate itself it would just be interesting. So
1: Enough. that's the thing. It'd be it'd be interesting, but it wouldn't be uh spicy. So yeah, Bischoff. So yeah, so they what? asked Bischoff uh, to try to describe Antonio Inoki to a non wrestling fan. He basically says he's the Vince McMahon of Japan. Scott Norton comes on and he says when he saw Antonio Inoki wrestle, he was like the most popular wrestler he'd ever seen. Two Cold Scorpio comes on, which I was happy about because I was always a fan of Two Hey, Cole Can you Scorpio. like bring the mic up more? Because oh, you're kind of
0: like angling it like weird.
1: Uh, yeah the There two, we go. And two cold Scorpio's on Which like I said Made me happy I've always been a fan of his And he, he makes mention of uh, When If you wrestled Antonio When he smacked you He said He smacked the shit out of you And they show footage of him Hitting someone And the strike oh, right. of his it, palm Made him bleed Seriously Like it, it was like a quick
0: Fucking like thing But literally That's a hilarious fucking match Cause it's Antonio Noki Versus the great Antonio And the great Antonio Is this fat fucking piece of shit that wasn't really selling for Anoki, <laughs> and he wasn't really cooperating. Like you can go find it; it's hilarious because then at just one moment, Noki just starts beating the shit out of this fat fuck. So that's he, why he's all he bleeding and shooting on him, dude. He straight up did, dude. Fucking like this guy wasn't like cooperating, and fucking Anoki's trying to tell him, "Like come on, dude." And like the fucking guy just like sitting there like some drunk fat fuck. So fucking Anoki just starts shooting and just fucking. Was able to get him to the ground and fucking kick the shit out of his face. <laughs> you can go find it. It's Antonio Noki versus the Grant the Great Antonio.
1: The Great Antonio. Okay. Doesn't sound very great. So they talk about this is the part where they talk about how he once freed the Japanese hostages in Iraq. And then they and then they mention how he uh wrestled. He they they they, they tried. They tried to make this sound cool. He said he was able to combine wrestling and boxing and have a match with Muhammad Ali. So
0: one of the first dated moments of mixed martial arts is basically Antonio Inoki was able to get superstar bo- superstar boxer Muhammad Ali into Japan for like a super carny fucking superstar carny show where him and Muhammad Ali would have an exposition, like a friggin' like exhibition kind of match. Yes. Which if you go like... it. Was like a huge fucking draw, like millions and millions, maybe tens of millions people like tuned in to fucking view this spectacle and stuff. I wouldn't be surprised. But like fucking the Muhammad Ali camp were very bitchy dudes because they're sitting there like, wait, what the fuck we hear? What is this fucking thing? Um, no, we got sub rules. Um, wait, this ain't boxing. What we can't do that? Um, well, friggin' well, you can't kick. You can't be like doing no kicks or anything to friggin' Muhammad Ali and stuff. Basically, they had a shit match where nothing happened because yeah. fucking they weren't ready for a freaking like a fucking just random like fight. But this is fucking Antonio Noki. He had a fucking thing where like him and another yeah. guy went and had a fucking hour and a half long match roaming around in a fucking jungle on an
1: island. <laughs> <laughs> Antonio Noki's insane.
0: He's he tried to do so, like he got ideas and he tried to do it. So and, like that's the thing.
1: A lot and of ideas. We, uh, we had a conversation about this for our podcast but um antonio Inoki is also infamous for introducing uh, mixed martial arts people to new japan which uh made the mma guys look bad and made all the new japan guys look like uh geeks
0: because basically Inoki wanted to say is like like in japan they know that wrestling's fake yes but they also want to prove that these also these guys that are like having fake fights are legit are legit fighters and stuff too. So, which just kind of led to the downfall of New Japan in like the 2000s because Pride was a thing. And Pride, you gotta remember, Pride is fucking becomes huge. Yeah. Like mega fucking huge. And like freaking like they're bringing in some like the fighters to do like wrestling, ma- like freaking pro wrestling matches, but they're having some of the New Japan guys try to fight some of the fighters and some and like literally. Like, the New Japan guys, I'm sure, could beat schmoes off the fucking street and stuff. And maybe some, like, all right, like, low-level fighters. But fucking elite fighters, like, like fucking Fedor or fucking Crowcrop, are just fucking murdering these dudes. Yes. So, like, frigate. Or, like, so basically, that's the thing. It's, like, that's, like, me, like, pseudo-defending. But also, it's, like, they're matching them up with fucking elite-level fighters of the time.
1: Yes. Like, these are all dudes that become legends in the end. Like, oh, Yeah. So then we actually see Antonio Inoki, and holy shit, this man's jawline. Oh, he has a huge chin. Have you ever seen a chin more magnificent? Fuck no. Dude, it's like a cartoon thing. It's like,
0: hey, draw like old 1950s movie star face. Draw something.
1: <laughs> and it'll like, literally be he like this. Smi- squ- he would look like Japanese squillium. Like, dude, I think he has a fucking bigger no. chin than fucking Jay Leno. Oh, God, you're right. No, not Squidward. Do you remember you know that one meme from SpongeBob when they that moment from the old series where uh, uh, they made a Squidward have that incredibly just unrealistically handsome face? Yeah, handsome Squidward. Handsome Squidward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like at the very end when he just looked like a marble statue. Yeah, <laughs> that's Antonio Inoki. If you look at his head from the side, he looks like a crescent moon. Fucking does, and it's kind of <laughs> distracting. He has a very distracting face and a massive chin. And I don't he's taken okay. so many fucking hard hits over the years that he I'm not he it's not that he can barely talk. He can talk just fine. But it just looks like he has trouble moving parts of his face.
0: He's also really fucking old.
1: He's pretty old. Like kind of really old. So Antonio says, uh paraphrasing. But the idea was hey, North Korea. Why don't I show y'all wrestling? And North Korea was like, OK, good idea. It'll be for the anniversary of the birth of the minister's son. So Antonio calls Eric to call Muhammad Ali. And Ali is down because he's all about breaking down those barriers of you know national race prejudice stuff. So Antonio originally wanted Hulk Hogan. <laughs> this is so great. Eric Bischoff says uh, he went up to Hogan and asked him about it and then he said Hogan like strokes his mustache and he went hmm ain't gonna work for me brother <laughs> So I was like That was a quick con- And Bischoff's like Yeah so that was like A quick conversation Can't make that brother mm. And then they go to Ric Flair Can't make that brother So next option's is Ric Flair And apparently Ric Flair Knew he was the second pick And I guess he was Kind of hurt about it But
0: at the same time It's like Ric Flair Is like a man of the party He's like I've never been to A third world communist
1: country Woo baby let's do this Scott Norton said he remembered how one day in the locker room he gets told slash asked by uh, Atori and Masa they're like, "Hey, you want to go to Korea with us?" And the other Japanese guys look spooked. Well, so- no, he, it's not
0: even. He's just like, "You want to go to Korea?" It's like, "Hey, you're going to, hey, you're going to wrestle in Korea." And he's like, "Um, okay." And then Scott Norton, and then like all the other dudes get the news, and they're all spooked and shit. So he goes up to fucking Masa Hirocho and then he asks, "Hey, what's up? What's up with this like Korea thing?" And he's just sitting there. It's like they're making us wrestle in Korea, and North Korea, and they fucking hate us.
1: They hate Japan.
0: Like, they want to fucking murder us on site kind of shit. Yes. So, this is fucking sounds like a fucking
1: death, suicide fucking mission. Bischoff says it was controversial, but that's why Antonio liked it. Antonio Inoki did. Scorpio remembers being stoked about it because it was a crazy new experience. Eric said, and I quote, getting the government to let you go could take six months. So, I just went. My boss didn't even know I was going. I just left. Wait, who Bischoff? Oh fuck! <laughs> yeah, yeah. He said that. He said. I. He said he didn't even tell his boss he was going. He just. They just all left. So the cast of people that went, the main people were Bischoff, Flair, and Scott Norton, Scorpio Sky, along with War, Road Warrior Hawk, the Steiner brothers, well, I think both the Road Warriors. Was it just?
0: They only said Road Warrior Hawk. Well, he has an importance to the story. Oh no, he
1: does. But you would they they said both Steiner brothers, and they don't mention them at all in the doc.
0: Yeah, but for dude,
1: there's a lot. Okay, the Road Warriors. Whatever. And then then, um Crispin Wa Crispin Wa. And some some New Japan guys. Oh, and Muhammad Ali was going, too.
0: Yeah. There's which, a
1: funny story where they run into Muhammad Ali in the airport, and he just starts doing magic
0: tricks. Well, the thing is, like, they arrive to the airport, and, like, friggin', they get some, like, a lot of the news press is just on them. But then commotion happens as friggin' Ali and his entourage, like, pops up, and all the news peeps just go whoop. Yeah. <laughs> like, just like, you know how Patrick was just saying, it's like, why don't we just take this fucking, like, our town and, and move, move it somewhere it? else? Yeah. And it's literally, it was just like, a boop, and, like dropped him right there. <laughs> but then Muhammad Ali, which they show a clip of, a pretty Parkinson out for the moment, does a fucking slow burning, freaking magic trick. It's pretty cool. But at the same time, it's like, and a lot of the boys were a little on nerves, like, well, we're kind of going to third world country. They, I think we don't know how crazy it is, but then Ali comes up, does a magic trick, and it's like, I think we're at ease
1: I think we're at ease So North Korea sends them a private plane Norton says it looks like it's out of the fucking 40s And apparently Ric Flair threw a fit about it Because they don't say this But from what I can gather the shit looked like Coach And Ric Flair is all about that first class
0: Well it's not even Coach This was a military transport Most likely built from the 1940s Just this riggedy death trap And they're sitting there like
1: Oh what the fuck are we in
0: Oh Scorpio, what the fuck
1: we in for Scorpio mentions how when they fly over They see from the plane the tanks And shit pointed at South Korea And they get to the airport They literally are just
0: sitting there they're flying over uh-huh. And two cold is like Alright we see the fucking South Korea border And all these cannons and tanks Lined up pointing off and, and then It's like, like
1: miles a, of cannons and tanks And then
0: like a freaking desolation land And then they see the North Korea freaking Lines of tanks
1: and cannons and stuff too And he's just sitting there and he's like Hmm. Okay, <laughs> So, um, they they get to the airport. There's no reception when they land. They get inside the airport, and it's like apparently packed with dust. It looks like it hasn't been used in years.
0: They literally go in a room with like supposedly like two inches of dust on everything. Yes.
1: Famous part of the story here: the military shows up and they take their passports and walkmans, anything American. But the big point is their passports. And apparently, Flair got pissed. Let me meet my Well, chi- would you be fucking pissed? Oh, no, I'd, I wouldn't just be pissed. I'd be, I'd be scared.
0: Yeah, they literally just come up and military officials just start yanking through their fucking luggage, ripping out any, like, this American fucking technology and stuff. <sighs> and freaking. then they
1: just jacked their passports and just sitting there was like, the Chad North Korea just walked up with them buffing and shirtless and then being they're like, like all passports there. are cringe, virgin. And they're all sitting there it's like, well, this is
0: our fucking livelihood, our passports and stuff. Well, too bad. You're in North Korea now. Keep Get walking. Yeah. And they each like all paired up and they get all friggin' like, what was it, like friggin'? They mentioned
1: that in a minute, but yeah, um, before that, they we meet Mike Chimley or whatever from CNN and... Um, who was there at the time,
0: like reporting he, he, on it?
1: He's he's disconnected from the story as far as the wrestling perspective goes, but he does a pretty interesting job. The little screen time they gave him for a uh, kind of painting the backdrop of the whole thing, like, like besides the wrestling stuff. Yeah. So yeah, everyone's paired off in twos, and they get assigned an attaché, an attaché, basically people that are going to follow them and watch them. The woman that follows them said that he was the seventh. No, you mean Bischoff. Bischoff was the seventh American on North Korean soil that hadn't been shot down or was a prisoner. And he's like, and then Bischoff realized, oh. I think now I have perspective of what the fuck I'm in at. I want to ask your opinion. Like, imagine you're in Eric Bischoff's shoes, and you hear something like that. Even taking out the fact that you're Japanese, that'd be even worse. But, like, you hear this North Korean woman tell you that. Like, I'm just speaking from my perspective. At that point, don't you just kind of fear for your life? I would just go, okay, then. <laughs> I'm going to act on my best behavior.
0: Yeah, exactly. I hope... I'm just going to, I would just go, I'm going to, I would knock on some wood or my penis and head Oh my! because I would say as wood and just hope for the best. That's literally all I could do. <laughs> and yes, I'd be in fear for my life. But I just said, there's like, okay then. So I'm not sure if I'll be sleeping
1: all right tonight. I might have some, I might be like, oh, I wouldn't some thoughts. So Sonny Ono's comes on. And he's saying they wanted to keep track of everyone at all times. Then he goes into a quick little bit about what his job was. And he was the liaison between New Japan and WCW. Sonny Ono then says his government told him that if he goes on this trip, they cannot guarantee his safety. At that point... Don't you just kind of fear for your life? I think you would. Yeah, I think you go like oh. the government told him your you own might die. Your government told you, yeah, we can't guarantee you safety, so you're kind of fucked, my guy. If you're you do this. F- super fucked, my guy. So when when they're there, they for uh, when they get to the um when they get to Korea. They force everyone in a very totalized event. They force everyone to take flowers and place them on the grave of their departed leader. This, and they this fucking super statue. Yes, dude, this, this thing is taller than, um, what was the famous statue in Russia? Was that the Lenin statue or I something? I don't know. But this well, still, it's taller than that. It's a massive fucking statue. It looks like it's taller than Disneyland For the dear Castle. leader that
0: passed away and basically for propaganda. Sorry, you can't say the word. Basically, Propaganda. Yeah, they all gave him a bunch of fucking bouquet of flowers to lay down in front of the statue to, for like, to pay respects. To the dear leader. Yeah,
1: because the news painted it out like, oh, they were so excited to be in North Korea that, oh, they just they just had to pay their respects to their fallen leader.
0: Yeah, the North Korea propaganda setup going on. And is that a get <laughs> shot? Your choice, bro. It's either hey, no, it's literally that. So yeah. it's literally that. So yeah, lay flowers or die. And I'm like, I think I'm fine just laying some flowers and go like, oh hey, high great leader, you're so <laughs> awesome.
1: You have big majestic penis. You never you don't poop. It's like other world leaders have small PP energy, but you have the biggest PP energy. Yeah, dude, they
0: seriously believe that fucking their dear leaders don't poop. Wait, what? Yeah. What? Straight up. Their propaganda, they believe their dear leaders straight up don't fucking excrete fecal matter.
1: Uh, so do, anyway, do you understand the fucking North Korea climate? Every time I think I do, I hear something else.
0: <laughs> I'm more confused. Than what, how am I so wise to this? I think I'm just hanging around some people.
1: Well, you've also looked a little deeply in. You've looked a little more deeply into this Korea story than I have, which is which just which naturally opens up a rabbit hole that maybe you get sucked into of of information so they get to the hotel the wrestlers have to carry their bags up of seven floors like, and they like no, you know they did that on purpose like there's no elevators
0: no elevators yeah so basically they have to walk upstairs and they're like there's like well we're kind of big strong beefy dudes and our cardio is trash so walking upstairs some of <laughs> yes. us are getting pretty gassed out so the like, yeah, I'm sure Benoit
1: was <laughs> just going boom, 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 boom. Oh, Benoit could have made have could have gone up and down with everyone's bags twice before they got up there. Well, unless you're fucking Road Warrior Hawk, I think you're getting gassed just getting up a couple <sighs> flights of stairs. This this document we'll get into this in a minute, but this documentary was not it wasn't mean, but it was not nice to Road Warrior Hawk. So after they get to their rooms, there's guard outside the rooms at all times. There's only three channels on, and they're all government channels for propaganda.
0: So it's like well, there's nothing to watch on TV. We don't have anything American in entertainment in our bags. So a couple of the boys decide, you know what? I think there is a pool table down downstairs.
1: So let's go. Well, yeah, set let's up go a game shoot for- some pool. It's like Norton, Ben, Hawk. Which and that they, sounds like a good group. And of they guys, all walk right? out,
0: and they're walking, and realize they're being followed to, and they're like sitting there. It's like. You guys are in my personal bubble space. Go away. I don't like this. You're going to make me mad. Get your get your, milit- get your get
1: your Millington personnel out of my space, dog. Yeah, dude, you're in my safe space. This ain't cool. Go away. So they get they find the pool table and they're like, yes, something to do, Excelsior. But it takes them, according to Scott Norton, who I feel like half an hour to get these fucking pool balls. Oh no, he said it took two hours.
0: Yeah, I remember something like a stupid length of time, just like just to fucking get some fucking. Maybe
1: he was over-exaggerating, but I swear to you, I rewound like, it twice. He said boy, two hours. Can I just play some billiards? <laughs> Why would that be
0: harsh for whatever? They start playing billiards, and freaking Scott Norton accidentally fucking hits the ball like the freaking like the ball cue off the fucking like table. And these
1: military dudes, like it's just
0: Clint, get pissed. Like dude strip to see the Paul like ball cue go off, and they just turn into. How fucking dare you? What the fuck are you doing? You fucking piece of trash! Oh, what yeah. the fuck? This is disrespectful. And then all this stuff too. And then like they just shut off their game, pick up all the balls and take it away. And then Scott Norton's just sucking beefcake. So like, I'm going to fuck a car these motherfuckers. I'm going to whip them out. And then everyone's like, please don't know. You might get shot. And he's like, no, fuck it. That's bullshit. No, we're here on fucking all this stuff. We're like stars. You
1: can't shoot us like this. <laughs> we're like stars. I mean Scott Norton wasn't <laughs> I wish you guys could have seen James's face When he was doing that it was great So yes that happens um, Chono Masahiro Chono holds him back He says he holds him back Honestly Chono probably just crossed his arms And looked at him with his majestic shades And Scott Norton just stopped
0: yeah. So we're just. So, getting, yeah. So, so here's just,
1: another famous so, story. Yeah.
0: Chono has the force and he was able to hold off fucking the literal ship. You know what? If, Bel, if
1: Belichick is the dark football Lord of the Sith, then maybe Masahiro Chono can be uh can, 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 can be uh can be a, a super dope Jedi. Whatever. So here's another famous story. Eric Bischoff wakes up to go for a run really dark out, but the sun's slowly coming up and he's thinking to himself. Well, I'll go and come before I need to be anywhere. It'll be fine if I go off on my own. I don't need to tell anybody. It's fine. So he's running along the street and people are coming out of their little houses and people see him and they're like terrified of him. They part when he runs by. They're scared of him.
0: Like literally he's just going for a casual morning a jog. jog he's wearing a bright red fucking windbreaker and stuff i loved that these, windbreaker and all these workers are out in their fucking gray clothes and they see this dude just jogging along and they just sit there it's like what the fuck is this doing oh scary man he's, he's gonna hurt and rape our women and stuff and then he's, there, he's like okay they're all and like bischoff's like okay they're oddly parting away and whatever but then it's like the more as the mornings coming around school children start coming out and they start screaming in fear and terror which that and made bischoff feel bad he's like, I didn't want to make them feel like they're terrorized by me, but especially like, the kids. That's the level of propaganda. It's like, dude, homeboy came and go for a freaking just a morning run, and Risey gets to the hotel, his fucking Le- legion or fucking assigned lady
1: uh, attache.
0: Just fucking is terrified for his life because she is so pissed and, like, Adam. Just like, what the fuck are you doing? You're not supposed to fucking run off in that. You cannot leave the fucking hotel now. And, like, I can't remember if he gets a new one after that event or whatnot. They
1: didn't say, but Eric did make mention that he was basically worried that he got her killed. Yeah. I hope to God he did not. I hope to fucking God he did not. So, then... Them- <laughs> Okay, now it gets interesting. Oh, now it gets interesting? Two uh, Cold Scorpio trying to murder Road Animal Hawk. Well, it kind of first... Road like, Warrior Hawk. Yeah, because
0: freaking Two so, Cold
1: Scorpio kind of yeah. brings up, like, he has a little heat with Ric Flair. Because basically... He feels like Flair cost him his job and screwed with him during a thing. So that frustration built up for a long time. And this is actually important. So Scorpio's on the bus. And for whatever reason, Hawk gets on the bus.
0: And like Hawk was his, uh, Hawk was Flair's friggin' buddy up for the North Korean yeah, buddy they were, system. Yeah, they were
1: paired up. So Flair comes out of the hotel. He's kind of like looking around. He's, he's looking like, around. And Hawk's like, oh, what's he looking for? He must be looking for me. He must want me to ride with him. And then... What this is, is so surreal for me to say because two cold Scorpio says to road warrior hawk about nature boy Ric Flair on a bus in North Korea. Fuck that pussy, let him ride by himself. And then fucking
0: Hawk sitting there is like <laughs> and then Hawk is frustrated is like you can talk about my friend like that. I was like, no, fuck him. Fuck Ric Flair and all that shit and all that stuff. So too.
1: Scorpio Hawk is unfortunately passed away. So he was not here to defend himself and Scorpio buries Hawk. He puts himself over so hard. Well,
0: basically, well, like, in the story where he basically said, because Hawk then gets up and starts insulting Scorpio, goes straight into hard R N words That's what Scorpio says. And, like, I could believe it because this is fucking, like, like, Hawk was very white as fuck and, friggin', he just starts doing (laughs) that. Middle of the 80s. And then, friggin', he comes up, tries to fucking swing at Scorpio. Scorpio was able to dodge
1: fucking... Not like friggin' like able to friggin' kick him off over and then start laying in punches. Yeah, and, par- a- and apparently he killed bills that shit. He says he was grabbing like Hawk's eye. No, 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 no. First, it's like he beats lays in like s- seven
0: to like eight punches. Yeah, Hawk's all bleeding up. All the Japanese like homies grab friggin' too cold, like too cold pull him away and stuff to the ground. Hawk gets up and starts trying to like ground and pound him while he's being held by all these Japanese wrestlers. But he's able to fucking move his dome around with Hawk's friggin' great brawl for brawl for brawl for all. Brawl. Brawl for all. For all freaking punches that look like he's moving through water. <laughs> and freaking in too cold, Scorpio was able to get up, get hawked out, and was fucking gouging his eye with his thumb, trying to rip
1: out his fucking eye
0: socket. In his own words... But then every woman was able to split them apart.
1: In his own words, he said he was pulling his eye, and it was about halfway out of his socket. <laughs> and so... Almost halfway. Scott Norton, who was friends with Hawk, tries to get his back. And he says he was taking a medication for hepatitis C. He says it's like like,
0: interferum or whatever. He said Scorp
1: could say whatever he wants. But if if he wasn't medicated, he would have smashed Scorpio. Now, I told you this really quick before I know what you're about to say. When I saw that, I was like, oh, damn. I was like, damn, Scorpio fucked him up. He, uh, This Scott Norton guy is just sticking up for his buddy. Then we got here and you were watching and I got to that part and I was thinking to myself, "Hey, Scorpio's putting himself over really hard. And, you know, Scott Norton, maybe he's right. Maybe Hawk would have done better. But then you fucking said, well, bro. Have you seen Brawl
0: for All? Hawk (laughs) fought in that and he was fucking just flailing his giant beefy arms and got gassed out in 30 seconds and was just laying on the ground. So like literally it's like (laughs) it just sounds like what happens. It's like here's the thing. Hawk's super strong. I'm sure he could fucking just lift off Scorpio and just chuck him outside the bus. Yes. Like I'm sure he could sling him around and fucking squeeze the shit out of him or something. But But if we're talking about fucking just boxing up and trying to do a cardiovascular activity like the lifespan for Hawk is like if he doesn't get it done in five seconds, he's fucking done and trash. And it seems like, nope, he didn't. He just got fucking just murked. Well, basically, like he just stand there and took it.
1: Yeah. And once he said that, I was like, you know what? I think Scorpio could have wrecked, uh, actually wrecked this guy. All right, so next
0: we talk about Scott Norton's phone enters. Innocent. Yes. All right, you think you got this for a good second? You got to piss again? Dude, I fucking must have drank, I drank a decent amount of liquids. How dare I hydrate?
1: <laughs> so, yeah, so Scott Norton, everybody, has been trying to call his wife, and she's pissed because she thinks uh, he's partying, you know, hanging out with the boys and whatever. And he's like... Bro, you don't get what kind of shithole this place is. As soon as he says that, the phone line cuts. There's a knock at the door. A North Korean gentleman with perfect English says, you're coming with us. So he's in the interrogation room. And I have to point out, uh, we we he and I mention all the time the different production values of both of these dark side shows. I gotta say, man, I love the way dark side films their things. Sometimes it gets a little funny because every single like shot that they film of like the body doubles is in dark, a lot of smoke, but with these bright uh, colors and stuff. But it's so great. And this scene especially when he's in the room, the cinematography it's really good. So I'm paraphrasing. But in the interest of time, they basically tell him, if you talk shit about North Korea, you're dead because they tap the phone lines. They didn't really get into it. But there's there's a bunch of other wrestling podcasts you could check out um, that talk about this in greater, greater detail from different perspectives. But basically, the government in North Korea listens to the phone lines all day, every day, every phone call, especially in that hotel. So, yeah, they heard him say call North Korea shithole. And they were basically like, you know. You talk shit on our country again, you're dead. So they go to this temple. Yeah, let temple me line. like let
0: me like I'll like let me put in my two cents. So yeah, yeah. fucking Scott Norton with his fucking old lady you think he's getting all hot and bothered and sexy with all the friggin' like <laughs> Korean ladies and stuff, partying with the boys. Some like of those Red Korean Flair, ladies were pretty. I like friggin'. She's so just sitting there, bitch. So I was like, I fucking can't do shit. Do you understand the fucking climate? This fucking piece of shit shit hole. Phone gets cut off. And I'm sure as you said, fucking mm-hmm. dudes come up and tell him like, you're fucking coming with me. And then like during interrogation, I think Scott Norton finally realized they could give two shits if they put a bullet through his head.
1: Yes. And at that moment, he's just sitting there. And it's like. I just need to just get out of here. I skipped over that a little bit because I was talking about how uh, I was putting over the cinematography and music uh, for the body double scenes. You know, the lights, uh, the colorful lights and the shots and stuff. Are you talking about
0: the fucking theorem for fucking Martian music for this
1: whole entire, like, freaking... I was... uh, Okay, it stayed its welcome a little too long, but it
0: was really good. Like It's like, I get it. Like, North Korea is fucking, like, alien zone for the most part. And, like, the whole land's like, malnourished and looks like fucking Mars, but still... (sighs) But yeah, no, like literally, well, I, I don't know how to describe it but like literally he's just- No, no, I walked through it. Yeah, whatever.
1: When you walked in and I would literally say, we get to the temple, that's where I was.
0: Yeah, yeah. I just don't want to put in my two sets. At this point, like Scott Norton fucking realizes, because he thinks he's like a star, maybe he's got a little immunity and he's a little hot headed and stuff. But at this point, he realizes in this political climate, that doesn't mean shit. Like literally, it's like, it won't fucking matter. Like if he keeps acting up- it, he's just gonna be dead and like there's nothing that could really be done nope like you do it does realize like if he doesn't comply it's like oh that's a pretty hard wake up and then like I think he realizes the mortality of his death like he, cause the most part he's been saying he's like a hothead and stuff uh-huh. he doesn't give a fuck and so these dudes just like I don't give a fuck but then at this point he literally had fucking guns in his face and literally realized oh fuck they could give two shits if I live or die. Like this isn't like just like oh hey it's like nope. It'd be all sudden. Military
1: and done. state people. It's uh, it's a scary thing. So we get
0: to the temple, I, or the fucking um, tomb of the great of
1: the dear leader that passed away. It's an extravagant ass tomb too. So this is one of the best parts in the documentary. When they get there, they see Muhammad Ali taking his jacket off. And he jogs up the stairs like fucking Rocky, and he starts shadow boxing. He's doing his dancing too. He was Dude, looking like
0: he's doing the fucking Ali shuffle. He starts shadow boxing yeah. near this tomb. It's like great shit for the camera, and everyone's sitting there. It's like. He might be Parkinson's, but he's looking great up there.
1: Yeah. And then the soundtrack plays this kind of music where it sounds like it's, I don't know the word is, it's not triumphant, but it's like this, it's like this in awe, just watching this, this like, you know, watching the master as his work thing. And it's like, bro, Muhammad Ali was just the best. Basically. Yeah. Dude. I was disappointed because I tried looking for any interviews of him talking about this Korea thing, like on YouTube and Google, and I couldn't really find him ever talking about it. Uh, I'm sure he did.
0: I didn't look hard enough. for any but. information from his perspective and stuff too. But basically, fucking, they just said, like, honestly, that was just a great moment to just see fucking Ali just, like, do his majestic things. Like, this is the fucking legend box. This is, like, boxing legend in this fucking, like, crazy, like, state. But honestly, it just brings back, honestly, this is kind of fucking
1: cool. Yeah, because Muhammad Ali is great. But then so, after that, with two Cold Scorpio, <laughs> Hawk and Scorpio 2, so they go get their big dinner with, like, steak and- s- No, is-
0: no, What you're missing is, like, after the fucking Dear Leader said, like, Too Cold Scorpio- Oh, what? right. I forgot they- Like, literally, <laughs> yeah. like, freaking after the Ali things, like, honestly, it was- uh, like, you know what? I think the moods are good. So he wants to go up to fucking Hawk, kind of maybe apologize to the thing, and he's like, hey, Hawk, just what's up? And literally, Hawk just fucking sucker punches him.
1: Uh-huh.
0: No rhyme or reason. And freaking Too cold Scorpios like, oh this motherfucker, all you motherfucker, and like they about to fucking go at it, but then everyone fucking breaks it up too, and like literally now they're at their fucking nice life. They're like wine and dine, freaking steaks or
1: noodles or shit or yeah. whatever the fuck they can eat with stainless steel chopsticks, which fucking. So he they goes back to the hotel. Scorpio's bunking with Benoit. Oh, dude, you are skipping over so much. Like literally, they like
0: describing the fucking dinner is just like well, little detail. Like two cold Scorpio. So, I was like, yeah, I'm munching, it. and I'm just going, uh oh, I f- dropped my chopsticks, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then he slowly he's, like putting them in their pockets <laughs> and stuff. And then now we go to the hotel with two cold Scorpio hanging out with Benoit. He cracks open the window and starts fucking. He makes shivs. Like he is sitting there, fucking filing away against the fucking concrete with these stainless steel freaking chopsticks, wrapping them up, and he's just telling Benoit, I was like my daddy told me, taught me how to make a fucking shank, and I'm gonna stab this motherfucker. I'm gonna get, my,
1: I'm gonna get back." See at now, him. this feels like dark side. You know what I mean? Uh, everybody- Can you imagine how weird it is to think about? This is, this is, uh, this is fucked up, but uh. Do you know how it's really feels weird to me that Chris Benoit is trying to talk someone out of murdering someone? Nah, that's kind of surreal when you think about it. Yeah. But I don't know if this is a Chris Benoit with like
0: fucking mush for brains. I'm surprised Chris Benoit actually- Juice to the fucking gills. I
1: wonder how- There's v- a
0: difference between this young, pretty, like, swole-looking mullet free, mullet. Did he still have his
1: mullet at this point?
0: He should. Good. It's like, yeah, it's mid-90s. There's a mullet Benoit. 80s. Compared to fucking 2007, fucking Guido hairdo, fucking roadmaps <laughs> for fucking veins and arms and everything. Yeah. a greasy man-looking dude. I'm like, there's two of those Benoits. And, like, I'm not defending Benoit, what he did, yeah. because that's-
1: all levels of pure fuck uppery, but like. His theme song in WWE was so good, though. Yeah. Man, <laughs> i they know. Okay, so he makes a shiv. So now they're driving to the event, and they see a shitload of people walking the event. The numbers jumped. At first, they said it was like a hundred and seventy thousand, but then, like at the end of the thing, I think it's the cold first cold, night. Cold. I think the first night was like hundred sixty to hundred
0: seventy thousand, but then the next night was hundred ninety thousand. Okay, I don't think they because s- this they was specified a two night event.
1: No, it was two night. I don't remember if they specified that. But anyway, so Norton is like, "Bro, this is sick. They're here to see us," and the driver's like, "Oh, nah." Force attendance. If they don't go to this, they die. Oh, oh. <laughs> holy shit. So they get there. It's a huge crowd with these crazy intense choreographed dance numbers and big band things. And then the wrestling starts. And then and the documentary points this out too. It's like everybody there collectively realized. The North Koreans have no idea what the fuck wrestling is. Oh, pro wrestling. Pro wrestling.
0: It's Because they thought this was going to be like the Olympic wrestling sport, but no. They're no. saying something else. Like, literally, they talk about how, like, the opening ceremony festival is just this huge, crazy spectacle and stuff for all the cameras. And then once the wrestling starts, the Korea crowd is just sitting there, dead, in- pa- dead face, just going... What the fuck is this?
1: Yeah, some are grimacing. Some are going, huh? Some are going, eh. Some are like eating and falling asleep. Like fucking Ric Flair's hanging next to a fucking official
0: and he's like breaking, like, he's like poking logic into the fucking fake, like fake fighting and stuff. And Flair's like kind of like telling like little things. But then Flair realizes, oh, these people aren't smart enough that this is fake.
1: Yes. Oh, shit. Do you think it would have been better if American fans were educated like the Japan ones? Like just straight from the jump, they were just like, hey, it's scripted. Or whatever, but fucking, it's just like it's yeah, both so basically yeah, the it's dead. a fucking dud. Yes.
0: But then the documentary takes off talking about Inoki and the quick story of Ricky Dozan.
1: This is really interesting. So Ricky Dozan was North Korean, and they kept his nationality. He tried really hard to keep his nationality. Like basically during the a Japan, o-
0: yeah, basically during the Japanese occupation in his youth in yeah. North Korea, he was able to actually escape from North Korea, go to fucking uh, go to Japan, learn under learn under. I'm guessing was it fucking. Carl Gotch? I thought so. Yeah, so he learns under Carl Gotch and starts like doing the pro wrestling thing and actually becomes a huge star because this is post-war Japan. And post war post-World War II Japan's pretty fucking wrecked from America. They got bombed twice and shit. Yeah. So fucking them. Ricky Dozan being a star, helping morale, like go like beating freaking American wrestlers and stuff in front of Japan and stuff was able, he becomes a huge wrestling star. And then he trains like an Antonio Noki and great Baba and other peeps and stuff too. But where they go in the story is eventually realized is there's a point where like near like, like kind of like, I don't know where exactly in the timeline. It could be sixties or maybe 70, It might be sixties. So the Yakuza finds out he's not Japanese. He's North Korean, and fucking uh, national national nationality hates exists very prominently in the 1960s. So he gets
1: fucking murdered in cold blood because, uh, yeah, Japan because Japan has a has really big nationalism issues. So they the, still kind of do today.
0: But, but the reason why we went on that is that freaking I guess the is able to tell the story mm-hmm. and say that freaking he died. Freaking showing how proud of a North Korean he was. Yes. And thus, then bringing the people realize he was like Anoki was trained and brought up by Ricky Dozan, a proud North Korean. Mm-hmm. So, in thus turn, his little, like his freaking, like the, his little trainee, his apprentice or whatever. Friggin' is just like he's an honorary North Korean. So then Flair is like in the main event wrestling with them, and Flair in classic heel fashion goes old school, yeah. and basically the crowd eventually erupts and starts having fun, enjoying themselves as they're watching their hero take on this silly bleach blonde, crazy like friggin' leather tan man. Oh yeah, beat him up, but every time, but Noki's able to like get the upper hand and stuff. And eventually, he wins the match. It's really, and,
1: like, it's really incredible. It's wrestling magic because. Th- you know, it starts off much of the same. The crowd's dead for the whole thing, but then they Dude, get going. Crowd,
0: like the first night, total dead. The second night, total dead. And they even get, they might even start getting like making some weird noises when they're watching the women wrestling because I they realize like, wait, women could be athletes or something. This is weird or something. What yeah. the fuck is this? Why are the women doing this? As I are seeing and crazy ladies, like, freaking Bull Naka- Nakano with their freaking giant, freaking, like, tubed up hair and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Wearing fucking Megadass shirts or something. That was sick.
1: The fucking metal waifu queen, bro. So, it's, it's really interesting because it's... It's um the crowd just gets into it. And, you know, the uh, Scott Norton says this is a testament to Ric Flair. Some might say it's an testament to Antonio Inoki. I think it's a testament to just the magic. Building a that- story, a simple
0: story of like, hey, this is our national hero. So- Shut up, Brian Alvarez.
1: No, actually, I that's th- scary. <laughs> I, I just I just think it's a testament to what wrestling can make people feel. These two went out there and they woke up an entire nation of people by themselves. It's great. It's cool good shit. It's yeah. great. And freaking, yeah. And then, like, it's hilarious, too, because Flair also
0: flexes on that, too. Because people's like, wait, how are you able to get them to? It's like, I'm just that good, baby. Woo. Well, yeah, of course he
1: said that. I'm yeah. sure Anoki would say something similar. But yeah, yeah, but
0: well, Enoki actually was able to, like, promote himself as, like, an honorary Korean. Yeah. North Korean. So, freaking, of course, and once the mass is going and people have something to get behind and stuff. I was going to
1: ask, he didn't technically lie, did he? I don't fuck it. About him being Ricky Dozan's friggin' No, apprentice. no, no, that's the truth. I mean the part about him proclaiming his love for North for North Korea. I think
0: he just said he was an honorary. Mm. I don't know if that's like, I proclaim... Well, they all have to proclaim their love. Because yeah. they were forced at gunpoint to say that, so...
1: So the rest... So the documentary wraps up pretty smoothly in these last few minutes. Uh, Hawk and Scorpio run into each other in an elevator, but they don't fight. They kind of squash the beef. Hawk is very real with Scorpio, and he's like, look, man. I was- honestly... I don't have my smoke. I ain't got my stare I ain't got my steroids. <laughs> I literally don't have much of my medication, bro. Yeah. And I'm kind of feeling trash. And honestly,
0: I'm sorry. But Scorpio, he's still ready to go. It's like, hey, if you want to sell this, the shit is and-? still
1: in his pocket. Yeah, he's still from re- two days ago. Like, two gold's ready to go. And yeah, they kind of gloss over all this, but tensions are high and stuff. But then they just get to Japan. Uh everyone's stoked. Ric Flair kisses the ground when they get back. Um, like,
0: literally, it's like they're, it's like, it's fucking, they're all mentally tired. They're physically tired because they've been, like, stayed up and got to do all this fucking crazy shit. And they're all worried for their, like, fucking health and safety and their lives and stuff. But really, once they get off the plane on fucking tarmac in Japan, Ric Flair's just in there in his $3,000 suit, alligator yeah. shoes, start kissing the ground.
1: And he's just like, Woo! I love Japan. Oh, it's so good to be back. There's just weird oh, part. There's, just, there's, ah. this, there's this weird part where narrator Chris Jericho says, Um, that this shows an interesting parallel between North Korea and wrestling itself. Both of them blurring the line between fiction and reality. And I'm like, what? What? But anyway, so yeah, the episode ends with basically, to summarize, everyone basically kind of has the same opinion. They're like, you know what? That sucked, but... It was a historic part of history And I'm sort of glad I took part of it
0: But it's also The thing was Is that honestly Like maybe a recent People are talking about About the time No one
1: gave a fuck about this Yeah it didn't They, they, they may point that out they made, cause It didn't make any cause waves Because here's the thing It literally
0: It couldn't be broadcast live mm-hmm. And then they did it On pay-per-view But there was no proper promotion And not much people Really cared So it yeah. was a week by So literally Around this time It's just kind of like Shucked off and buried to history Obviously now Like in within a new, the la- It's come up within a, lot,
1: a lot Within the last like five years Yeah, because it's a
0: fucking interesting story. It's one of the most documented, like, closest to being, of, like, North Korea being documented on how fucking life is there. Yes. Because, like, all you can see is propaganda at first, but, like, unless you do any research and anyone has been able to sneak in and, like, actually see, dude, it's fucking, a lot of the shit's fake. Everything else is a famine, wrecked land, and, like, all the fucking people get paid like shit. They all are stuck wearing the same gray clothes. And, like, freaking, dude, they'll get murdered by, like, gunpoint,
1: no problem. And only the officials are doing all right. It's like a cult, but it's a country. But a whole fucking country. And yeah, that's basically how it ends. Um, that's it. It's not the darkest episode of Dark Side of the Ring. But and when I'll, I first watched it, I was not gonna lie. I was like, ah, maybe I had myself. No, I too felt much. like that too because like there's a lot didn't they, like didn't, they g- didn't talk about the women at all. Would they never? Ric Flair, you know, Ric Flair, and other big names couldn't didn't show up. And I I was looking forward to hearing the story about uh, about the Japanese wrestling couple that were that uh, saw each other love at first sight. And then they had crazy loud sex the entire weekend.
0: Oh, yeah, we didn't and get. Other- Things too I think that was Akira Hokuto was the women wrestler and she married, yeah, Kensuke Sasaki in like in like 1995. So basically the they thing met is- the first time in Korea. Yes. They got engaged in Korea. They had loud sex that actually woke up and like they didn't say this in the documentary because like I guess there's just so much to talk about. So we have to wait yeah. till they do a freaking Dark Side of the Ring Confidential where like fucking we get Conrad Thompson talking to the fucking dudes that made the show and stuff and then they can bring up all the extra stuff. And that's the thing. I feel and like... And we got no
1: Ric Flair! And that's the thing. I think that would have been made things so sick to have Ric Flair talk I about I actually them. thought they would have had Meltzer on just because he would have... Been. He he probably has a lot of info about it.
0: But it's just so sad. It's like, dude, we didn't even get fucking Ric Flair. And you know,
1: that's another thing too. They didn't really talk about the controversy. No they didn't no talk far. about the controversy. Of the women's wrestlers in North Korea, how that went down, and honestly, all these stories they told, I'm pretty sure, except for parts of the Scorpio Hawk one, I've heard all those stories before. I was I was expecting them to tell stuff we already knew well, because I get of course, the fucking murder. This fuck is for the general public, but like, there wasn't really anything new in this documentary well, that I didn't already know. Well, there's a difference between you knowing and like the fucking. No, that's people. the point. So I get it. I get why they did that. But and like,
0: freaking, I was hyped up. I, I for didn't it. learn
1: anything new. But that's the thing. We also know about Pillman
0: and stuff and like all these yeah. other stories. So it's like I just when I first watched it, I didn't think it was good. But when you showed up and I was taking notes and you were hanging with me, I think that this is a pretty fun episode with a homie because at least you got something to react or crack jokes to when you're kicking it by yourself. It's like it's kind of an all right episode. Like I wouldn't say it's like there's been better Dark Side of Rings, but some Dark Side of Rings were kind of like what else? And I thought it'd be a little bit more sick. But at the same time, it's like they decided to do more of the narrative of like Scott Norton and then the narrative fucking too cool Scorpio and Hawk, and part of me could give a fuck about that narrative. I feel like Flair would have been more interesting and more Bischoff and stuff. Well, like yeah, they did him in running, like running and freaking running around and stuff. But literally, it was mostly the narrative, like so, like literally, like people who might actually die. So I guess that might have been. But I feel like the other narratives of them actually describing what the envi- like the environment of North Korea is like lo- would be more interesting. But here's the thing. I know, like, the story and stuff, too, where I know, like, a decent amount of the story and stuff, too. So, like, first time people actually hearing this could be, like, they could actually hear what's all tripping out. But we also didn't get too much description other than, like, it's the propaganda, but not really the physical description of, like, what it actually looks like in fucking North Korea and stuff, too, which that's pretty fucking shocking. But you can only do so much in a 45-minute format, so...
1: That's what I was saying. I feel like And I
0: feel like they did their best. Could have had a part two. Like, I feel like they did their best. And like friggin', I wish we got Flair, mm-hmm. but Noki is cool to see in Noki. And like, Scott Norton was cool, and Two Cold Scorpio was cool. So it's like I'd still say it was a good episode. But now then, time for the freaking final showdown. Which do you think would you prefer, Bill Belichick
1: or Dark Side? You know, I'm going to give it to Darkseid like I was originally going to. Wait, I mean, sorry. I mean, football or wrestling. Sorry. That's what I meant. I'm going to give it to to wrestling again. But you know what? I got to be honest. Watching it, I was like, this is infuriating. Talking about it with you, that Belichick documentary is really entertaining. It's completely ridiculous and preposterous. Oh, it's fucking dumb and crazy. But but it's really entertaining. And this one was interesting, but it's stuff I've heard before. But I can't. I almost want to give it to Belichick in some ways. It's
0: part of me that wants to give it to Belichick, because honestly, Korea was just kind of, no, I'm just going to give it to Belichick. I was coming in not to like, and, but I actually like was enjoying it, like that fucking episode. Like Belichick sucks, but at the same time I explain it's like I've heard like these stories in motorsports too. And if anything, I'm just sitting there like, why didn't fucking other people start doing what Belichick does? What's preventing anyone else? It's just like, my thing was dark. It's just still like the critique of dark side of football is that like, it doesn't come off as dark side as like freaking of like dark side of the ring. Cause yeah. like, if you ask me which one's
1: darker, I'm going to still say dark side of the ring. Oh yeah. This Cause is that's one like of the lighter episodes of dark side of the ring. And it was, no,
0: no you're talking about, you're getting fucking held at gunpoint in a fucking foreign land okay, with no fucking protection. No, I know.
1: But if you compare it to but the, maybe
0: they didn't pe- like fucking uh, pound that in. Yeah. Or maybe I'm just more just used to it. Cause I've like heard this story like a fuckload of times and researched it more and stuff, so friggin', like, it's whatever. but, like, friggin', I'm gonna tell you what the dark side of football, compare it to the last, the first episode, with the wide receivers. Oh, this is way better. Oh, like, it was a way better show, way and more engaging, <laughs> I thought it was kinda sick, but you know what, I'll be controversial, like, I'm more of a wrestling guy, but, like, the Bill Belichick story was pretty entertaining, and literally, by the end of the story, it just became of, oh, people start doing what he did. I'm like, yeah, well, wouldn't that be the fucking solution? Yeah. And oh, California cool Tom Brady. The epitome of California cool. I think Collision of Korea, I'm just more disappointed. Billichick got a little bit more emotion out of me, and it yeah. was a little bit more engaging. But if you asked me which one was more dark side, it'd be just fucking... Well, be yeah, like, wrestling's the way yo, dark. Gu- yo, fucking gunpoint in fucking Korea, while also two dudes are trying to murder themselves. Uh, like, one's trying to rip out a dude's eye, and then decides to make a shank to try to murder him cold blood on foreign land. I'm like, what's more dark side? But, like, if you ask me which was a better, like, show, I'm still gonna give it to fucking Belichick. But, the, the, like, the only issue with dark side of football is, like, oh no, you're disgracing our, like, prestigious sport. Ooh, boo hoo. Oh my God, so dark. I'm like, maybe we'll get to, like, maybe the
1: Raiders will get some fucking murders or something. Come on. Oh, yeah, the Raiders won that. Bro, even if it's not the Raiders, like, there's so much dark shit you can go in with football. It's like, have none of you guys ever seen any Given Sunday? It's really easy to look into the dark side of football. It's just like maybe just like they're trying to play it
0: safe right now, I guess. But they're not jumping in. You could give all of it like these past two episodes. It's like we don't know. We'll see once like the Raiders comes in. Yeah, like they did step up in the darkness, but it's just like cheating. But the thing is, but at is the that- same time, it's like. As I said someone from Motorsports, it's like
1: that sometimes is the game. If you want to get ahead, you got to exploit the rules. The, but the thing is, is that they're sticking to the 2000s. The Raiders thing, I read the synopsis, it kind of talks about him a bit, but it seems to focus when we hired uh, when we got Bill Romanowski, aka Romo, well, the original Romo, um, and like. And, and like, yeah, but he was only with us for two, three seasons. So they're sticking to the uh, to the 2000s. Wrestling goes back and forth between the 70s, 80s and 90s. Yeah, it's pretty expanded
0: But that just explains the difference between crews. No, you're right. And you're I right. felt like the Belichick one was a little bit more smoother. But I like a show itself. So, oh, yeah, I'll give it to Belichick.
1: You fucking dark Sith Lord of fucking football. See, I almost want to give it to them, but I can't. But I also feel your
0: own person choose.
1: But yeah. I was kind of let down by the dark side of the ring one too. So I don't know. I don't want to say they quote unquote both win. They don't both lose. But I don't want to say they both win. So if I have to make a choice, I think I'll go with the wrestling one.
0: Hey, go for it. But yeah. Um, it's
1: like, honestly, if you
0: ask me which I was like more like enjoying, like here's the thing. I like the collision Korea when I'm hanging with the homie. But pardon me for some of the episodes, like, I don't know. I feel like part of it could have been done better.
1: The Belichick yeah. one where I'm sitting there is like, could there be a better Belichick one? The only way they can make it better is just I don't know if they didn't gloss over the cheating and try to because that's what holds me back is the fact that they just gloss over the cheating. Like it's part of the story, but they still try to present him as like a detriment or a badass and like this, this, this mysterious person that football teams were afraid of. I didn't say this when we reviewed it, but there's a point where one of the guys talking says, I think some of those teams lost before the game even started because of because they were intimidated by Belichick. So when they say shit like that, because Dark Side of the Ring, even Brian Pillman, who has a oh, really sad story, because it's just that, like
0: the fucking the sadness in the end. Yeah, and fuck, dude, the fucking just the, my, my, the post, like post Pillman death, is just even gnarly. Well, I was gonna say, there's like moments of fuck your GameCube, like yeah, I say it's like f- make it funny, but it's like, dude,
1: that fucking sucks with Brian Pillman Jr. Oh, no, and no, hey, he like, yeah. admits it. I'm like, dude, fuck, homie no Well, that's my that's my thing but is dude, that that's my thing with with Brian Pillman Jr. You could make the uh, the totally logical argument that they didn't rake him over the coals enough for his infidelity but but besides that I mean even though he was really sympathetic very sad story they still took the time to show you hey this guy wasn't a saint he he did he he made a lot of bad decisions and did some messed up stuff so but with Belichick and with Chad Johnson like they lump in the criticisms, but it feels like they're just stating it off because they feel like they have to, like they're reading it off a paper. But everything else, they go out of their way to praise, which is fine because, you know, Chad Johnson had a good career and Bill Belichick has won championships. But they skirt around it. Dark side of the ring, when they talk about people, they go into, hey, this guy's got a sad story, but he did some fucked up stuff. You know, I mean, Chris is the obvious one, but he even did wax stuff before the end of everything. Yeah, yeah, no. So that's one of the reasons why I like Dark Side of the Ring more is because it it doesn't it doesn't black and white things or try to make it easy. Football, the football one just feels like it was like streamlined for a more casual audience, and maybe that's what they're doing for it because
0: it feels like two different staffs and stuff. It really does. And like, if you ask me, which was darker, I'm gonna go with Collision Korea, but if you ask me which one was a little bit more of a better show and for going off that, I'm going to go with Belichick like freaking, Cause I didn't know much about Belichick and honestly it was kind of interesting. And then as I said, I should have been hating on the cheating, but I'm a fucking dude that likes motorsports and stuff. And like what Belichick's doing, it's like, dude, I've heard these stories before. And these sometimes these stories are like hero stories. So it's like, and in the end, I'm oh, just... Belichick's no hero. Oh, he's no hero. But in the end, it's just like, it finally comes down to, like, and, like, people start doing what he's doing. It's like... I'm like, why not just make fucking rules about fucking, like, videotapes and stuff, too? You're just making, like, odd things. Like, oh, he did just one little thing. Oh, it's controversial. Ooh, like, yeah, obviously the football deflating thing, too. It's like, I think they actually started regulating on that. Once it's like, comes out. It's just, like, Belichick's center there's like, I'm just explaining... I know what the... It just came down as like Belichick know what the fucking rules were and you know what to do, but still fuck the Pats, fuck Bill Belichick, and but like forget. Oh yeah, Collision Korea was hilarious because the end freaking Bischoff flexes that you know what I still had a way bigger crowd than fucking Vince McMahon has ever done. So. He does
1: state well, he does state that they were forced to be there, but you know whatever. He still beat Vince. Eh, take your wins when you can. So, yeah, um, good shows this week, though. Yeah, killer. Can't <laughs> wait
0: for fucking Raiders. I think we're getting Ultimate Warrior next.
1: I think you're right.
0: So, whatever. It'll be cool. Who knows? We'll see how the next week goes. I'm going to be out of town. Then maybe I'll bring my friggin' um my rig with me and everything and I think I could get something going but um, we'll but see you next week you
1: guys will be fine without us for a week though if we, if
0: we do it. skip but it's like it's like I like to keep up with the shows we'll see as the no, week goes on I'll see at the weekend and I'll see what I like pack up I don't know if I'll take my big rig or if I'm just gonna take like up a small rig or something but who knows other than that this was the Doctor to the danger radio show with your host James and Edward have a good one
1: adios